on episode 53 of Pixel Gaiden. Does creating content change the way you play games? We discuss six good color computer games. Cody lets the magic smoke out and plays around with movies the size of my head. Tim prepares a very British game show. Eric builds a new wedge computer. Eric grabs a new Atari. Tim updates Pixel Gaiden Studio East. And the guys catch up with tall boys. Is late February, the month of love. The month of love. And we are back for episode 53. 53! That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes, but not enough. I'm not going to no. stop until I hit 627. <laughs> Excellent. Specifically. 6,502. Yes, or that. Or we'll, that. Meet, we'll meet in the middle somewhere. How's your February going so far? Well, it's going about the same as last time we talked. <laughs> yeah you know not vaccinated quite yet but no nope, you know. either i'm still waiting for that you know i i was joking with my wife i i turned 50 in april <laughs> 50 that's an age can you believe that that's uh that's, that's almost as many episodes as we have shows exactly but that's one of the tiers for the covid vaccine so if <laughs> oh, i can just it? make it if i can just make it to uh to april i think i can get in there Gosh, man, my friends are all like 50. What's going on here, Eric? <laughs> I'm sure I'm your only 50-year-old friend. All your all your other friends are spry and young and not true. vibrant. Not, not I'm true. Like the old, I'm the old gray, <laughs> sad, mayhem in Monsterland level. <laughs> Dude, video game reference. I like it. Yeah. I like it. But you know how we start these episodes, right? Right. Uh, well, I, I do, but I just want to mention real quick, on this episode, sure. we do have a, uh, Tim Drew joining us for a game show. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do a segment of Six Good Coco Games. That is the TRS-80 Tandy Radio Shack color computer line Correct. of computers, one, two, and three. And it's uh, nice because Tim is joining us for Six Good Games, which he usually joins us for battle, but we're doing the old swaparoo. A little switcheroo, absolutely. And then, of course, as usual, we will join Tim and catch up on what we've all been doing, Eric. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. But before we do that, what do we like to do quickly? Quick questions. Quick questions. Uh, I, I will go ahead and read Tim's question, since he is not here to ask it himself, Eric. Perfect. Uh, considering that we are both now Beeb owners, and to explain to all the Americans out there, that is short for the BBC Micro Computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, kind of the Apple II, if you will, of the UK. Um, now that we are both Beeb owners, do we have a go-to game yet? Do you, Eric? I do. I definitely do. Do you want do, me to go first? Okay. Yes, please. I have two selections here. The two games that I have found that I really enjoy, and I know I've talked about this one before, Starship Command is my number one game. I'm not even, I can't even put my finger on exactly what I love about it, but I love it. And it's like a little game. It's almost like a weird cross between like a, 
I don't know, like a asteroids versus uh Bosconian kind of like kind a of top vibe. down space 2D space exploration fighting Correct. Game. It's a very hard I, to explain and it's Okay. God, I, I don't even I don't even know why I love it so much, but I find myself drawn to trying to get better and better at it. Star Command. Okay. It's called Starship Command. Starship Command. I'm sorry. Yep. And then the other one is a shmup called Gala Force, which uh, are Gala Force, Gala Force. Like Galaga clone, right? It's kind of, well, it's a shmup. I wouldn't say it's a Galaga clone at all. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's a shmup and it's, uh, there's Gala Force 1 and 2 mm. and they're both really good. Um, I do know that one has joystick support, which I know is a big deal for you. Uh, I have, um, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, I, I, and, I, and the funny thing is, two, I didn't. I avoided playing because I couldn't find like it, it didn't have joystick support. But then the author jumped in and showed me how showed me how to do it. Oh, really? <laughs> and it, it does have joystick support. So like, I need to go back and actually try to get play that one through. So anyway, go ahead. What are yours? Very cool. Well. Um, we kind of touched on it last episode, and you kind of touched on it just now, but I have not honestly not figured out how to get any joysticks to work on any Beeb games at all yet. That's weird, because I, I, I agree with you. Many of them support only keyboards, but I've found a ton that don't. Yeah. So, I, mean, I haven't found a ton that do support joystick. I found one that was supposed to, and I just couldn't get it working, so I really haven't like dug around and tried to find them. Yeah. Um, so, and I can't, I can't do keyboard controls. So, given that combination, I really haven't re- been able to dig into the BBC yet, and I need to sit down with it and figure out that joystick thing. Yeah, now, um, both of those games I mentioned, total joystick. I just mean, plug it in and go? Or is there something like fancy? Now, remember, that dongle that goes in the back, <laughs> dongle, that dongle that goes in the back, <laughs> it has two joystick ports on it, and so, it's like the C64. Some games support the left, some games support the right. Okay. So, you got to, like, reach back there and actually try Play with both them. ports. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I got to do that. But I, at this point, because of the keyboard controls, I really haven't fallen in love with a single Beeb game, uh, except for one that I already knew I loved. And yeah. I just really want to get the joystick working. But um, I, Chucky Egg is just solid. Even with the joystick, I can play some Chucky Egg. Yeah. Jo- Chucky Egg, as far as I remember, I haven't loaded it in a while. I don't think it supports joystick, period, on the Beeb. No, okay. I mean, I it's, so, so. it's such a simple, pure game, and I don't know what it is about that game, but it's just so playable and enjoyable. So yeah. that is that is probably the only game I've played on my BBC for more than ten minutes so far. Okay. Um, I really want to get into the BBC, and I, I just that I that was banging my head against the joystick, and we'll talk about this a little further on in this episode. But um, my BBC is connected with my uh, Commodore eight, or I'm sorry, ten eighty monitor. Yeah. Which I use for my Amiga as well. Yeah, and I just, again, anything that touches the Amiga, I continue to have issues with. I just, I have never had Amiga set up; it just works beautifully. And right now, it's the monitor that just keeps losing one of the colors. You know, it's RGB, mm-hmm. and it just it constantly will. It'll work for three minutes, and all of a sudden, everything goes yellow, and it's just this ugly yellow tint. And I have to like bang on it and do things to try to get it work. And like, it's just not; it doesn't work well. So I continue to struggle with that, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. So, okay. um, part of you know, I I love to use original hardware, and it would kill me to try to actually use a flat screen with my original Amiga and original BBC Micro. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to find a solution where I can really dig into the Beeb, but I have not been able to yet. Gotcha. To be honest, 
Um, my question, Eric. Actually, no, I'm sorry. You have a question now. That was I my. A, that was I Tim's question. question. <clears throat> Here we go. How has this podcast, the best podcast ever, guiding, changed your gaming schedule wise or play style or whatever you want to talk about? How has it changed your gaming, whatever facet you want to talk about? Um. I don't honestly, I, I'm sure it has to an extent, mm-hmm. but honestly, I can't put a finger on how if it's done a whole lot of anything. Um, I think I, I specifically, if you know, on purpose or not, subliminally have designed the podcast around the way I play games, <laughs> sure, <laughs> at least my portion of it. Um, now there's games that, that you guys choose for battles and for things like that that I would normally not have played, so that's would be one that you guys have input as to what we play, which makes me do things I normally wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing, I guess, would be, it says you know, <clears throat> schedule-wise or play style, those things not so much, but the absolute biggest thing, the one that I can absolutely stick a pin in, is I even said it on episode like five or six, like, hey, I'm, I'm playing the Commodore 64, Eric, because you kind of got me into that, but I have no interest in playing any other microcomputers. Now, if I look up on my wall right now, there's literally... 15 microcomputers <laughs> yeah so i definitely got into that aspect the old uh microcomputer and a huge uk portion of the scene that i would never would have gotten into otherwise yeah. um starting with you and then of course tim coming on and then making these machines feasible as far as getting them over here and and that kind of stuff so it opened up a whole new right. avenue of systems and mentality of games and gameplay but as as far as i always i always played something I always had something I was playing new because those mm-hmm. take longer, and I was always trying to complete old NES games or try games on different systems. I you know old game. I always had a few things going at once, and that's still the case for me. Yourself? For me, it'll be pretty simple. Um, the way I would game before is I'd always start a more complex game, like on the Xbox or or an RPG that would take weeks to play, if not months. Mm-hmm. And I would play that almost exclusively, except for times when I wanted more, I guess, quote unquote, like Twitch gaming, like arcade games or shooters or something that you can get in and out of for 15, 20 minutes. Snack food. Exactly. So I would play all these little games, whether they're on the Commodore 64 or whatever. Uh, But since the podcast, like I don't play like I the last game I tried to really get into was cyberpunk and yeah. the, the latest one did i just did not have time so i just said hey i'm gonna abandon this till they come out with the patches um and before that it was kind of the witcher 3 and um there's a few other games like red dead redemption 2 i just can't I, i'm almost like getting out of modern gaming which is okay because it's expensive yeah you kind of touched on that and the last you and tim both yeah. kind of agreed on that one yeah so I'm finding myself getting more and more out of that to the point now, right now, I don't, I, there is no game on the horizon that I want to buy modern gaming other than on the switch. Um, so I really think, I think it's a good thing for the show because I'm playing more, I'm filling in all those blanks more and more with games that are retro or retro inspired, which is really what the podcast demands. And I'm getting less and less time to play 
that's fine because I'm filling it in with those games I'm supposed to play. So, and those games are fun. So I have no complaints at all, but I am finding that the longer bit games like RPGs, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of getting out of that business. And I'm okay with that. I'll, I can get, listen, I'm, I'm going to retire someday so I can play those games then. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll have like another 20 years worth of games to, exactly. in addition though. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. All right. Well, simple enough. Uh, on this episode, like we said, uh, we got all kinds of stuff coming up. Tim will join us when we get back. But first, we want to leave you guys with a little bit of show information. So, if you want to find show information, you're going to go to pixelguiden.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me, Eric Nelson, at Duh Project, D-U-H Project. You can reach the show at at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Cody at at oddball, which is O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim at Sanction, at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we do encourage feedback. We also have a Patreon account set up. So if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And for today's show, we're heading to the races. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pixel Downs. It's a beautiful day and the perfect setting for the world's number one horse race, the Gaiden Derby. If you'll look around the audience today, you'll notice that anybody who is anybody is here, including such famous personalities as the finicky Josh Malone and the yummy Eric Sandgren. Large floral arrangements are the name of the game today, as well as large hats, such as the ones being worn by the thankful David Vincent, the frail 10-minute Amiga Retrocast, and uh, also I noticed down there uh, in the food area, uh, a fancy hat being worn by the green David Modelot. All right, it looks like we're about ready to get to the action, so let's go ahead and start this horse race. They are off. Ladies and gentlemen, coming around the first turn, you'll notice that the exuberant Roy Fielding is in first, followed by the truculent Mr. Toast, and the mature Team Gray all the way is coming up the rear. In the second pack, we see the sulky Mashi Sosnowski, the overwrought Paradroid, and the curly Ramoke Ramoke. Uh, a couple of horses are limping. It looks like we might have had a trip to the glue factory here. The lyrical Ant Stiller just dropped to the ground, along with his jockey, the gusty Mitsuyama. The carcass of the horse is now being dragged off the track as the eminent Jim Tetsier passes him, followed by the abrasive Henrik Wolfel and the lavish Gary Heather bringing up the absolute rear. But wait! Something is going on at the front of the pack. There are three new horses that somehow have made their way to the very front. The Honorable Dustin Newell has edged his way into third, but at the very front, it's a crazy tight race. It's Matthew Ackerman. No, it's Daniel James. No, it's Matthew Ackerman. No, it's Daniel James. Oh, 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 by a nose, the pastoral Matthew Ackerman wins the race. Just edging out the nimble Daniel James by the hair on his chinny-chin-chin. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of our Patreon supporters, as usual. And again, as usual, as we like to do on the ep- second episode of the month, we reach through the bounds of time and space and pull out a man who is about, what, eight hours ahead of us in the future? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I think about eight hours ahead. Hello, everyone. How are we doing today? Future Tim. Who future Tim, that's me. <laughs> in another time and space. It's like, actually, I've been watching The Twilight Zone lately. Oh, nice. So I can see Tim. It doesn't actually exist for eight more hours. A few hours later. (laughs) Well, that's going to get us copyrighted. (laughs) All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and hop into a few exciting things, as we like to do. Um, Game show, I think uh, Tim prepared a little little gauntlet for us. I have indeed. And I am very excited to do that, but I can't do it without getting properly lubricated, Eric. Yes. Bring (laughs) on the beers. Or the beer. The beer. What are we going for today, guys? So, so Eric provided this one. Yes. So let me talk about this one. This is from the same brewer I brought for the last episode. This one is Barrel Brothers Dad Pants Pilsner. So, dad Pants. Dad, 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 dad Pants. Dad Pants Pilsner. So, uh, now, really quick. Dad, does dad pants a saying? Is that a thing? Because I've heard of like mom shorts, which are like shorts that moms start wearing because there's absolutely nothing risque about them. They're super conservative. Therefore, yeah. they're not attractive at all, which is the whole point of mom shorts. What yeah. is dad pants? What are well, dad I'm pants? I'm going to read that to you. Why brew a lager? Lagers are a beer style born of necessity with a no-nonsense function over fashion attitude. There you go. <laughs> with simple ingredients and... A lengthier cold temp fermentation, pilsners are the ultimate test of technique and precision, leaving no place for flows to hide. Flaws. Flaws. Sorry. <laughs> flows. Don't be in, don't be in a ale hole. Loggers are beers, too. You can That's true. Oh, I'm going to use that. I'm taking that. <laughs> An ale hole. All right. And I don't like it when people say bad things about loggers. There's are pilsners. I love pilsners. I think they're fantastic. They have their place. For sure. Definitely. I like loggers. I like pilsners. I think the issue is when a, probably like this one, honestly, when a microbrewery makes them, they are still good. But those are beers I associate with like less than a dollar a beer, beers. So I think you got to get out of that mentality mentality, because they're actually, there's a lot of variety in pilsners and uh, loggers. Absolutely. I'm Germany, not saying there's... there's a massive stack of different pilsners in, in Germany and uh, Belgium and places like that. They, they drink that stuff by the ton. But that's the point. They drink it by the ton, so it's not a $4 beer like this is. I'm not saying mm. they're good or bad. I'm just, I have a hard time with microbrew pilsners because I can go get similar pilsners for a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> that are good. I'm not talking about, you know, Bud Light and that kind of stuff. I'm talking about, which are obviously kind of loggers, but anyways. And what are you drinking today, Tim? I am uh, back on the, the trademark Tim coffee. <laughs> coffee well, you, know, you know what kind of coffee it is? I'm just curious. Um, yeah, this is uh, Milicano. Milicano? I've never, I haven't heard of that. Yeah. I'll, um, Fancy. Well, cheers to that. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Right. So, there we go. We've got a beer. Are we going to rate that one? Dad pants. Oh, yeah, we are. I like it. So, there's, um, so for example, there is a, a lot of, so a lot of pilsners and loggers in America, it's kind of historic, are made up in the Milwaukee area. 
Yep. There's a bunch up there. Even the you know the small breweries up there. That's what they make up there. You're and there's some really out of Laverne and Shirley's. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of good ones up there. And there's one up there, um, Golden yeah. Trout. Have you had that, Eric? I have. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a really good. I love that beer. And it's you know it's not a four dollar beer. It's you know it's not a thirty cent Bud Light. It's probably like a you know a buck buck and a half a can. And I yeah. love that stuff. It's super good. In fact, there was mm-hmm. one of my favorite. Um, beers that taste a lot like this one to be completely honest with you this i think this is better um but costco actually came out with a beer for a while they got rid of it and i hate that they got rid of it but you could buy a 48 pack of a costco kirkland signature beer that was just a metal can and all it said on it was a uh, light beer that's all it said yeah and it was you made the- by one of those i think it was made by the trout brewery that's the same people that make golden trout it was so good there was a um, there was a beer that I can't find very much anymore, but I went to their brewery, I think up in Oregon. It's called Ten Barrels Brewery, and they have this beer called Pub Beer. And it pub literally beer. says Pub Beer in black, and it's just a white label black pub beer, and that's it. And it is fantastic. It is a great beer. Um, so anyway, with Dad Pants, what are we going to rate this? This one's, this one's very flavorful. Yeah. It's got a very crisp flavor to it, too. Uh, very, I don't know how to explain it, but when you drink it, it has a bite. It has a bite to it where you have flavor and then it like it ends like it's a bite. Yeah. I mean, it's got that like heavy uh, malty honey flavor that a lot of Pilsners do. Yes. It's very in your face, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's very, and, very crisp and refreshing. Yep. Yeah. But then, like you say, Eric, it doesn't like linger. It, nope. you, you get that up front and in the face, and there's kind of like a um, a good bitterness that cuts it off. I actually really like this one. This might be my favorite beer of the night. Oh, are you kidding? And, and by of the I, night, I mean for the listeners of the last episode and this episode. Because we had we did a battle of the um, porters, Tim. Oh, so yeah. in '52, because we had two porters from two different breweries that are local around here. And uh, the one from Heretic edged out the other one by this Barrel Brothers. Uh, but they were both really good. I do really like this. So let's uh, rate this out of, um, I don't know, dad pants. Let's <laughs> bulges. Well, hold on. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not dad, dad pants. Bulges. <laughs> no, they're going to be super conservative. They're going to be, uh, they're gonna be flat true. cut. You see nothing. How about exactly. that? How about after, out of 501 uh, seams, Levi's 501? seams? Yeah, because it's got the <laughs> Levi pocket on there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's, that's more appropriate. It's more age appropriate for the channel. <laughs> <laughs> no, you already said it, so you already ruined our rating. But <laughs> You can All edit right. that out. Just out proof it out. <laughs> 501 seams. I'm going to give this a 442. 442. Yeah, I'm going to give it... I'm probably going to give it a 4... Four, four oh five, four oh five. Ooh, <laughs> isn't that, that another cut? That's another no, cut like of Jean, lot, isn't it? <laughs> I like it a lot, but I need to leave headroom for my beer of the year. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, which we've already had a beer this year that beat mm-hmm. out last year's beer of the year for you. We did, yeah. Yep. What was that one? Well, I, I mean. God, I don't remember what that one was. What was that? Do you it was a it was a stout, and it beat it out was, peanut yeah. butter from last year. You already said you liked it better, so I did. Yep, that, that's the litmus test for Eric this year. I, I will remember it. We'll have to look la- look back. up last episode. But cool. until then, so that's a good one. Yep. Uh, MC Tim, shall I start the game show for you? 
Yo, yo, what's up? <laughs> MC Tim. Are you going to say it? Are you going to talk like that for the whole game show? No. No? Yo, okay. yo, yo. <laughs> yo, yo, it's the game show. All right, well, I'm going to go play, play the sound, but I need MC Tim to go ahead and announce this show for us so I can hit the post. Are you ready? Are you ready? Hold on, I have the sound. Are you going to announce the game show, Tim? <laughs> Are we ready, then? It's ready. Tim with today's Going for Gold game show. Going for gold. I'm writing that down. Named it. Nailed it. All right, I guess I have to get paper and stuff. Yep, I just got some paper, so I'm ready. I'm really ready. Because Aaron Dowdy on the Amigos show, he dissed us he did he didn't re- he didn't really diss us but he said we, and he was accurate when he said that we were lame for not being able to answer and we I, I, he's right i can't he's say that he's wrong the money <laughs> he is right we and had I, I fully admit joke <laughs> and and My stupidity sim- is legendary and similarly tim said that um he was going to come back with my american-centric game show with a british-centric game show so let's see if yeah. that happened or not it did indeed awesome oh, <laughs> awesome <laughs> okay right so over here in the uk in the 80s and early 90s there was a game show called going for gold now i don't know whether it ever made a crossover into the states it, it was hosted, it, it was hosted by um a game show legend called henry kelly who was an irish gentleman Um, had a very distinctive accent and this game show was all about uh, the way that they ask the questions so what they do is instead of just saying um, you know uh, what was the name of such and such they actually read a whole sentence back and it starts out with very vague details and then gets to the end and you actually get more it, it kind of makes the question easier if you see what i mean so yeah. he to read it very very quickly in a very irish accent which i'm not gonna do <laughs> <laughs> you know british uh, can you do a british accent for us no i can't do a british one oh, either. <laughs> all right that would have been good though that would have been good so we're gonna see if this works okay so um, just just go with me here all right so the first so the first question they, what they basically can be is they can be people places or things yeah nouns yeah yeah so i'm gonna say uh for example who am i or i could see say name the game or i could say what character is it or all what right. character am i yeah okay are we going to do okay. we buzz in then? Is that how this is going to yeah, work? How do I we buzz in? Is that what you, we do? You can do. Yeah, you can. If you, if you, uh, I guess, if you, if you get it before the end of the question, it's two points. If you get it at the end, it's only going to be one point. Is that going to work? Do we just That'll yell work. it out? Yeah. Or do we have to yell like? Uh, do we? Well, are you going to make us yell answer. something like Tim is a golden god, and then you can be like, okay, Cody, you can now answer. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you want, if you want to yell out your name, and then I'll, then I'll stop in the middle of the question. All if right, you get right. right, you get two points, um, and then we can then we can just go. If you know it at the end of the question, you get one point. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So we're gonna yell out our own names. Yell out, yell out your name, so I know because okay. I'm gonna read it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Question one: Who are we? 
We are brothers that founded a famous game development company in 1982. We were based in Ashby de la Zouch, Leicestershire. We mainly developed... Oliver Twins. Incorrect, Eric. Nope. You're now... I'm out, right? Okay. Fair enough. We mainly developed games for the Sinclair Spectrum, starting out with 16K games and working up to 48K games. Our games of note were Jetpack, Attic Attack, Underworld, Night Law. Who are we? Uh, I have to say something. I know this is wrong. I'm just going to say the Bitmap Brothers. That's not right. That's Incorrect. Not right. You are both wrong, I'm afraid. Oh, so I got to put... The answer is Chris and Tim Stamper, the Stamper brothers of Ultimate Play the Game. Oh, that's what I wrote down. You didn't ask me to show it. I wrote Chris and Tim. Did you? All right. <laughs> no, I did. absolutely did not. I'm a liar. <laughs> okay. Stamper, I have heard of the Stamper brothers now that you say it. The though. Stamper brothers. Okay. Yeah. Have, we, have we got the game show bed playing? I can't hear it. Yeah, it's now absolutely Aaron's, plain. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Okay. Now Aaron's going to be saying, how could you not have gotten that? No, Aaron did not get the Stamper Brothers. I'm sorry. Aaron, you're wrong. Don't lie to us. <laughs> okay, so we're, so we're happy with the format, yeah? We're going with that. No, but okay. <laughs> I'm not happy with the British-centric questions. <laughs> okay, <laughs> question two. What game character am I? I am a game character developed in 1983. I first appeared on the ZX Spectrum. I will go on to appear Cody. in lots of different... Horace. Incorrect. Cody, oh. you're falling out. Eric. I will go on to appear in lots of different formats for the Tatung Einstein to the Sam Coop. My first adventure was underground in a single screen platformer. My first game was quite famous, but the second game I appeared was well known because the game could not be completed without pokes being entered into the game. Who am I? I know what it is. Now. Ten seconds. Yep. Give me 10 seconds. Full seconds, not British seconds. American seconds. Uh, 10 elephants, 9 elephants, (laughs) 8 elephants. We do Mississippis (laughs) in America. 6 elephants, 5 elephants, 4 elephants, 3 elephants, 2 elephants, 1 elephant. I don't don't know it. Can I answer it even though I don't get points? Yep. Is that Jet Set Willy? Manic Miner? Uh, that's the game no. series, at least, though, right? Yeah, Say no, Tim. Come on. The name of the character? I, I guess I don't know. Okay, Miner Willy. Minor Willy. There we go. Okay. Miner Willy. <laughs> I spoke too okay. soon, though. I was trying to get that two points. You did. So we're tied up. Nil. Nil, 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 point. <laughs> See, I'm going to try to wait now. I said it in British. <laughs> Be appropriate. America, zero points. <laughs> this is true. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> okay. Question three. Who am I? Born in 1985 and being brought up in Kingston upon Hull, I started out writing edutainment games, but was more well known for music. Eventually, I would create music for the Amiga, IBM PC, Atari ST, and Mega Drive. I am more well-known, however, for music on the Commodore 64 in games like Warhawk, Light Force, Skate or Die, which led me to a career working with American Arts. Sorry, on the cut. Chris Huselbeck? Are you saying Chris Hulsbeck or Chris... That's what I... Yeah, he gets it, he gets it. (laughs) Uh, Eric, I'm afraid you are frozen out. 
I am wrong. You oh, are man. Yep. All right. I don't know how okay. many more hints I need, but all right. Let's see. <coughs> Working with Electronic Arts, I also created the music for Road Rash on the Mega Drive and Genesis. Who am I? Road Rash. Dude, I don't know music. I'm, I'm going to say the only name I know who is big on the C64. I'm going to say, uh, is it, what's his name? Ron Hubbard? Correct, Cody. Yeah! Oh, man, I'll what? take it. That I'll was purely that. luck. Oh, dang it. Rob Hubbard. Eric. Eric. That was my, it was that, that was, one or? That was your in, man. That was your I in. Oh, <laughs> but I got only got one point because it was after the fact. I'm trying to be patient and let Eric uh, screw it up before I do. Which uh, I was, which I I was doing obvious with that because I could have said Master of Magic and I could have said Monty on the run. I was waiting That's for Monty. True. I was waiting for Monty. All right, good one, good one. Okay, well, okay. I blew that one. I blew it. Cody, you are in the lead. America, one point. One point. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to play a game? <laughs> yes, have that game of chess. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we are on question four. Are we all okay with this? No one's bored at the moment. I'm winning. I'm super okay with this. Okay, here we go. Who am I? Born in 1947, I grew up in London and famously started a company selling cheap electronics from market stalls along with hi-fi equipment. I designed a colour computer to rival the ZX Spectrum and Commodore 64. I am also famous for starring in a UK hit... Clive Sinclair. Clive Sinclair. Nope, nope, nope. Dang it! Ah, I know this. I'm trying to think of a name. Keep going. Okay. I'm also famous for starring in a UK hit TV show where the contestants are trying to win a large investment to start their own company and where I also become a 50-50 partner in their company. Who am I? Oh, the name is escaping me right now. Um, It's a really ridiculous over-the-top name, too. He Amstrad. He owns Amstrad. He did made Amstrad, and I can't think of the name. I can, all I can think of right now I, is saying know L- Lord I British, know but that's not it. I, I know it. So let me say it. Let me say it. Tim, when when Cody's done, I'm gonna let Cody. No, I, I have his to time, say Lord British. I know, I know that's not it, but that's close. But yeah, what is I it? I know Eric? what it is. The Ultimate Games. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, it's Sugar, right? Uh, yes, that sounds familiar. Go on, yeah, Cody. It, Go on. You know it from there. I don't should give know the it. Points, though. No, I don't get the points. Okay, it's like Lord Sugar. It's uh, yeah, it is, no. yeah, Lord Lord Alan Sugar. See, I was close. Yeah. yeah. Dang it! And I miss that. Ah. I, keep, I keep missing these by one degree. You're Man, I only and I only get like a half a point for that now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're still one one nil one nil one Fair nil. Enough. Lord Sugar. <laughs> I wouldn't have remembered Alan, but eh. I probably oh, would have said like Nigel. This makes me sort of British, like what Australians, <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand at best, exactly. Uh, right. <laughs> Question five, gentlemen. Name right. the game. All right, game. So it's one to zero, right? Yep. <laughs> stop! Stop bringing that up. <laughs> Are we ready? Yes, I'm ready. I- 
Okay, Na- name the game. This game was first created for the Amiga in 1989. This game would also go on to be published on MS-DOS, SNES, and Mega Drive. My publishers also created other games such as Magic Carpet and Dungeon Keeper. The creators of the game first started development by using Lego and created a board-style game to aid the development process. This game was arguably one of the best god games published for any system at the time and for some time to come. What is the name of the game? I guess I'll say Cody. Okay. I believe there's... I hope I get this right. It depends where you're at, but I want to say Megalomania? Cody, you are incorrect. Oh. I'd like, like to guess. Go for it, Eric. Gods. Incorrect, no. I'm afraid. It's a God-style game, so it's got to be a top-down like strategy, building, city-building, SimCity, or... Any other guesses? Theme park or Populous or... There you go. See, I thought, that was, I thought that was the same game as Megalomania. Populous. No? No, no it's not no. the same game. Ugh. All right. All right. I keep getting I keep getting half points, man. So I'm only <laughs> at like three now. Here in England, we don't, we don't <laughs> count half measures, I'm afraid, Cody. Ah, oh, we're Americans, though. We get credit for everything we do. <laughs> I get a participation award. Don't yes, I? I want a participation award. Come on, Eric. We need this because we, we need the tiebreak question. I'm trying. I'm guessing, but I'm guessing wrong. I'm thinking, but nothing's happening. <laughs> Wait, why are you pushing for Eric to win? Come on now. <laughs> no, I just won the tiebreak. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Question. Final question. Question six. Okay. What <clears throat> game character am I? I first appeared in the fourth game of the Street Fighter 2 series. My character oh, shit, is of a British secret agent. I also made a cameo appearance in the 2012 animated film Wreck-It Ralph. I had a range of assorted merchandise, including a line of women's lingerie created for my character looks. My character was famously played by Kylie Minogue in the 1994 Street Fighter film. Who am I? Man, that's British. Kylie Minogue. Um, <laughs> Kylie yeah. Minogue is Australian. Is she? Yeah. Well, okay, see, that shows how American I am. I don't know the difference. Ah. Uh, I'll say, I mean, you, you said Cody first, so you, you need to answer. All right, but... I'll pick one. I'll, I'll, I'll pick, I'm going to pick Cammy. Well, I was going to pick that too. <laughs> you let me go first, Eric. Yeah. What? Is that your answer? Well, I'll let Cody go first. Well, if no, he gets he said, it wrong, I get to, I he get said, to do it. He said that's his answer. Okay, how are you want nope. to do it, Eric? I'll let you take the choice. Cody right, so, said first. Cody, right. he, he goes first. Cody, you are correct. It is I'll take Cody it. Gets it. I will take he, it. You won. Cody, I'm a man. I, I like your strategy this. there, though, Eric. It was all or nothing. You're either going to get a tie yep. it up or uh, or double down. So I was going to say Cammy. I mean, I that was my answer, but I wanted to make sure. I wanted him to fail first, but <laughs> it didn't work out for me. That's okay. <laughs> So do you want to go for the tiebreak question? Sure. Oh, was that, was that the last question? Anyway. I didn't know that, that was the last, the last question. question. Okay. Sorry, okay. Were you enjoying it that make much? It worth, so make, Tim, it worth three, make it no, worth no. three points. So no. I can either win or tie it. No, no. We'll, make this, we'll do this the way we always do it. Tim, the tiebreaker, I'm going to allow Eric to take the tiebreaker question all or nothing because I'm a good sport like that. Okay. Wow. Eric. So gracious. Eric. All right. I'm ready. Are you ready, my friend? I am ready. <laughs> this better be easy. 
<laughs> you're asking the questions you've got to be kidding right <laughs> in British sports a forward defensive shot is played in which sport lawn bowling or cricket a forward defensive spot right shot a forward defensive shot is played yeah. in either what bowling or cricket lawn bowling or cricket I'm going to say cricket. Eric, you are the winner! Whoa, wait, wait, wait! <laughs> yes! Hold I love on. this game. <laughs> Hold on! I love this game. The tiebreaker had a right answer? Correct. Your, what? Your, your right. one last time did. <laughs> no, it absolutely did not. <laughs> it, it was the audience was the winner. <laughs> Unless you're chosen that. That's forever burned into my soul, that question. <laughs> All right, so I figured this you out. Tim just wanted me to lose. NBA question. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Yep, that game was rigged. Tim just wanted me to lose. I could, you're like, Eric, come on, Eric. Eric, hit Eric. Do better, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, normally I will graciously, graciously admit defeat. In this case, no, that was rigged, no. and I don't appreciate it at all. Cody, Cody you, you performed Sterlingly, my friend. That was that was good. Good. Knowledge. You did. You did well. You did well. Uh, no, I got two. I got two correct, and I got three like w- correct way after too many hints I were got, given. Way too much I got time. Five wrong. Half answers. <laughs> uh, I had fun. Thank you, sir. Good that's, times. It's okay. You're you are welcome. I'm 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 glad you enjoyed going for gold. And if you are oh, Australian or New, or New Zealand, I I apologize. I did not mean any of that. <laughs> I meant everything I said. <laughs> Eric Hilbert. But I meant everything I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, also asked, I also said another dumb thing. I also said, uh, you can't do an Irish accent, can you do a British one? Which, I, in hindsight, is a dumb thing to say as well. <laughs> yeah, but I can't do a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> so I, just, I just do a Tim accent. Tim accent, yeah. Um, Alright, guys. Well, game show is in the books. Let's just go ahead and move forward. Let's just uh, call a spade a spade <laughs> and the dumb American to dumb American and step on out uh, and do a little catching up. Catching up with Eric and Cody and Tim. It said and Tim. Did you hear it, Tim? I did, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Not nice so, to know you've made me a part of this. <laughs> it's well deserved. It's well deserved. Well, that was always the intention, but audio files and whatever naming conventions screwed me up last time. So, step Although one. After that, after that game show, Tim's. I mean, uh, uh, Cody's going to take that out. It's back out. <laughs> it's back out. Absolutely. I'm going to start putting Doug in there because <laughs> yogurt and Doug. <laughs> So, so Tim, the viewers already know this, but you don't at this point, which is Doug sent us a little a little package here. And I don't know if you can see the screen here. I'm showing you a couple of the items. These are these are socks I was provided. Gallagher socks. <laughs> and, and I've already got a pair on, if you can't tell. He put some on. And, a, uh, <laughs> big old Gallagher logo there. Nice y'all, work, y'all Doug. Sent a nice. Couple of, nice. Look at that. That's a nice <laughs> little, like, uh... I don't even know what that is. What is it? A plastic? It's tin. Plastic thing. A little tin Galaga wall art. Looks like the bezel of an arcade. A Galaga arcade. Nice. It looks cool. And he sent us some really nice beer stein um, 
for uh, for us to drink beer out of, obviously. The funny, so. I think we should take one of those beer steins actually and send it to Tim on the next package. That way, we can all cheers with the same stein. That'd be we, pretty cool. We should, but I'm pretty sure it would be cheaper for us to go on Amazon UK and That's and just buy it there the and ship one. it. Yeah, send it. We may do that. Buy it and ship it. Actually, they are solid a, and heavy. That's a fine idea, actually, isn't it? If we could get a beer that's kind of like the same in the t- two different countries, yeah, we could then sync that up for the show, then couldn't we? I, I don't mind having a yeah, like dad know, pants. Then we're going to get dad, <laughs> dad pants. <laughs> <laughs> Tim needs some dad pants. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start catching up, which is a segment in the show we do every month where we. Catch up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so the first thing, um, I wanted to buy things, so I decided to. Ugh. If you guys remember a while back, um, I've had for quite a while a Famicom that I never got working. My goal was to fix it, and mm-hmm. I just never got it working, so eventually I just got angry and gutted the thing and shoved a Raspberry Pi in it. And actually liked how it turned out. But... I decided I really did want a working Famicom, which, of course, is the original NES, but in Japan. Yeah. Um, so I made sure to buy one for a little higher price than a broken one. I went on eBay and found a Famicom in uh, working condition. Key Keywords there. Working condition. Yeah. Working. Right. And here it is right here. It's beautiful. It's, yeah, you know, it looks great. Beautiful uh, beige, and like any good Famicom, it's slightly off-white, and it's kind of yellowed by age by sitting in various small Japanese apartments with cigarette smoke. Okay. And, um, <laughs> or stores, yeah, realistically. And it's got the beautiful, uh, like, uh, aged blood-covered colored uh, accent pieces and controllers. I hope they're not blood-covered. Colored, blood color. Well, maybe yours aren't. You don't know how aggressively I play my video games. Yakuza. <laughs> um, Super meat boy over there. But the the key here is I bought a working one with a power supply, right? So if you remember last time um, when I was trying to get this working, there's a big thing between power supplies, and I knew there's if you take a, a US power supply, it makes AC voltage and puts it into your NES, right? And then it uh, converts it and blah, 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 blah. If you buy a Japanese one, uh, you need to supply DC into the Famicom. So the, the power conditioning, the, the AC to DC, is done in the adapter. Mm-hmm. Whereas in America, it's done in the system. Right. So I knew that there one worked in the other, but if you put the wrong one, you don't do that. You don't want to put the wrong one in. But this one was a working one that came with the power adapter, guaranteed working. So I was looking at this thing, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to plug it in and play it. I'm excited. Let me just double-check the power supply. And I just couldn't get myself to take the time to look it up and double-check it. I'm like, no, it's working. It came with it. He says, this is the right one. Great. I literally plug it in, get everything connected. I have to pull out another TV because these only have RF out. Mm-hmm. So I have to get my small TV, put it on my desk. I took the time to do all this, plug it in. And I turn it on, and I hear a little sizzling noise, and then a loud pop that like threw me back because I was so scared. So I'll right. bam! <laughs> let yeah. out the magic smoke. <laughs> I let the magic smoke, and I was instantly just pissed. And I knew exactly yeah. what happened, and I, I looked imagine. at the power adapter, you and I'm like, that. <laughs> what's that? Beep that? <laughs> ah, come on now. Um, so anyways, yeah, then I went online and looked it up, and I'm like, yep, 
that was not the Japanese power supply. That was absolutely not it. And I wrote to the guy and got... I was cordial, but I was frustrated. He's like, no, that's the power supply I've always used. And I'm like, no, it was absolutely not the power supply you've always used. Definitely Because not. if he turned it on, it would have gone bang for you, too. Um, luckily, he did agree to give my money back. I had to, like, cite all kinds of links. Like, here, look, read this. This is wrong. Here's the picture of me putting it in. Here's the picture of the one you sent. This is it. Blah, blah, blah. So I got like the magic smoke, (laughs) magic smoke. Um, So anyways, I went online, of course, and I read and I kind of already knew, but I read and double checked that you could use a Sega Genesis power supply, which is the exact same uh, voltage and everything DC. And I took this thing apart and I saw the capacitor where, which released, it looks like a bunch of like blonde dog hair all over the inside of my, that's what it looks like when the cap blew, looks like dog hair all over here. So I blew it all out. Just replaced that one cap, placed, put the Sega Genesis uh, power supply into it. Worked beautifully. So nice. I'm like, good. It was just one cap. Uh, <laughs> the guy gave me 15 bucks so I could replace the power supply, which I did. Um, so I'm happy. And then, after I got it working, I'm like, well, I don't want to have to keep bringing out my small TV every time I want to use this thing. And I actually really love the form factor of the system and the controllers with the little yeah. microphone. You know, the and second player phone. has a microphone on it. Yep. And how it all plugs in and nice, whatever. So, if you can see here. You've yeah. got a mod. There's an AV mod, yep. So, I've got video and one. It's mono audio, uh, which is just fine. Which is no normal, stereo. which is like the regular Nintendo is like that, too. Yeah. So, I did buy a board from uh, from Console 5. Um, yeah. Which is a little breakout board. And it actually took like seven solder points. It was, I would say, out of a five-star difficulty, it's probably like a three. It wasn't okay. It wasn't beginner, but it wasn't difficult. It wasn't super easy, yeah. Um, yet, yeah. <laughs> and finding spots to put these jacks was very difficult. That took the most time. Is trying to physically get them in there with like two different tweezers to try to spin the little nut on there because you can't get your fingers in there. It was a pain in the butt. But they are in there. And when I first turned it on, I was only getting like some of the sound channels. And that's when I learned the board that the, he put in here has a quote unquote stereo uh, mod in it. So you can use, make fake stereo, but yeah. what it's doing is taking two of the four channels and putting them into one speaker and the other two to the other, which doesn't yeah. do anything positive. It's just separating channels. So I literally just put a bridge between those so all the audio comes out here mono. Yeah. Cool. And um, I, I already had, the, part of the reason I wanted to get this is I already have like 50 games and I just love the way Famicom games look. I'm showing the, on the camera there. Yeah, they're yeah. all different colors, aren't they? It's really nice. All different so colors. Much better than the American one, which are all just gray. Yeah, <laughs> they're super ones. cool. And like some of the games, you can tell just by looking at the cartridge which ones are from um, like Sunsoft or from uh, Namcot, which is not Namco over there. It's Namcot, yep. but it's the same company. Um, like, for example, this one is a Namcot game. So it's got and the logo right there. Just- they're actually the size of the board, aren't they? Whereas the, the yep. uh, British and American ones are like huge cartridges with so much extra plastic that you just don't need. <laughs> right. Yep. Super cool. And this does, the Famicom does have the um, ability to use the extra, it has extra sound chip capability in here, which the American one does not. Yep. A couple other things. But I fell in love with this thing to the point, my daughter and I played every physical game I had. And of course, you could only play like a quarter of them because the rest were like heavy Japanese kanji RPGs. Um, I just love the form factor of this so much. I'm considering, it sounds stupid, considering buying the EverDrive 
just for the Famicom, even though it's exactly the same as the NES one. Just, but just so I can use this hardware because it's yeah, so but cool. Why wouldn't you? It's, it's cool. That's it's so cool. Hardware, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I fell stuff. in love with this thing. Um, so it did come with a couple of games, which was cool because I did want some good physical games with this. Um, so the the main one that came with that I was stoked about came with Ninja Gaiden three. So I have a physical Japanese Ninja Gaiden three, which is actually worth like forty or fifty bucks. So that was cool. And a couple of games I couldn't really play, and another puzzle game I've never heard of called Palamedes Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heard of it. I, I don't. I can't say that I know anything about it, but I've heard of it. Yep. And then of course I have all my games displayed, so it just makes this rainbow of color, which is super cool. So, and it came with a bunch of like uh, four hundred and fifty games in one carts. Oh which yeah. Is, <laughs> which is which is really just like, all right, here's a copy of Nuts and Milk. And here's a copy of like <laughs> Nuts and Milk Revised and Nuts and Milk Black Label and Nuts. It just like it literally gives you like 20 versions where they basically just screw up the original game and call it a new game. Yeah, but all, it's all fun the to have hacked versions or something like that, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, nice. Let's see. Speaking of a whole bunch of games, <laughs> so I'm going to give my monthly Switch update. So. I got a two games that kind of stand out this month. One was Blazing Beaks. And you said, Cody, that you bought this game, right? Yeah, I got this on Super Sale a long time ago, and it's kind of like a rogue, roguish kind of game. It's a roguelike game, and it's like, you know, tough, you're going to die a lot, but it's a blast. I mean, I've been, this is probably the most fun I've had on the Switch in uh, probably three months. I'm really? Oh, it. okay. I bought yeah, that one it, well. Uh, Did you get it? And have yeah, you played I, it, Tim? I've played it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a good I, game. I'm loving it. It's a blast. It's a lot of fun. It's um, one of those games where you, it, you know, life is precious. I'm starting to, I'm starting to get like um, a lot more appreciation for the games where life is precious. That's what I call it. I'm it's precious. Like, you know, like when you lose one single hit point, you're like, oh crap, this is not going to go my way. And you break your controller over your knee yeah. and throw it across the room. Yes, exactly. Um, so I'm starting to actually dig those kind of games. And this is right up that vein where like your life is precious. You get like three or four hit points and you, you have to progress. And I've gotten past the first boss and I've gotten to the second one. And it's just one of those games that I'm, I'm easing into and I'm really loving it. So like Mr. Gimmick, like Mr. Gimmick, Mr. Gimmick, where life is precious, (laughs) except this one's a lot of fun. Ouch. <laughs> it should be Mr. Gimmick. Life is pointless. Oh, <laughs> life is pointless. Exactly. Um, the other one, I wanted to talk to you guys about this because I didn't know if you had heard of this. It's called TerraTech. I have, have not, except game? for the fact that you had mentioned it. I have not. I don't no, know anything about it. That one. And these these games are all retro inspired, so they fit within kind of the, the mold of the, of the podcast. But TerraTech is kind of like... An open world Minecraft, but you know, do you remember those Legos that you'd put together, but you could build vehicles and they would drive around and stuff? They're like Lego Kinetics or something like that. Kinetics yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, te- Technics. Technics. There you Technics. go. There you go. Exactly. It reminds me of that mixed with Minecraft because you can craft things, but you build these vehicles that have to obey the laws of physics. So you can build a. You can build a vehicle that's all like gimpy and 
can't really navigate the terrain correctly. And you can put like <laughs> 10 guns on the front to, to shoot at enemies, but like it'll weigh your vehicle down so much that it tips it's over and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, it's a blast. So That's you're like cool. tinkering with all these like vehicle creations, but the game, I, I got to tell you, I'm having a blast with the game. I, I kind of, though my only regret is I haven't had a lot of time to play with it, but I've gotten to the point where I'm building like the second level where the the blocks are bigger and the vehicles are bigger with these giant like terrain uh, wheels. Oh man, it, this game is a blast, and it was only like fourteen ninety nine on on Switch. So, huh. um, you basically just find all you you destroy an enemy, you steal all of his bricks, and you can take them back and put them in your inventory, and you can just keep building different vehicles and. I've seen videos online where you can build like um, planes and giant behemoth like platform, like capital ship type vehicles that rove the earth and they're giant. I mean, it, it is a really interesting game in that you can whatever your imagination dictates, you can just create whatever you want in it. So anyway, it's called TerraTech. If you get a chance, look it up. Um, Very cool. But the, th- the last thing I, I'm going to mention is... Uh, we talked about this on a very early episode, um, but I finally got the Ori Split Pad Pro. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember we talked about this? What well, used long, to be it used to be called ago. like the uh, Machina the, the, X or Yep, the Demon or Machina X Demon or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I finally got those. These are not not powered. They don't have batteries in them, so you have to leave them docked. Um, so you can't play this like on the um, the whatchamacallit for uh, like going into Tate mode. Flip grip. Um, <laughs> the flip grip. Exactly. The flip yeah. grip. But the D-pad on this works really well. The controls work really well. And it feels so good in, in, in your hands while you're playing. I mean, I, I basically took my Joy-Cons, which one of my Joy-Cons was starting to drift, like you've heard about, right? So mm-hmm. if I can re- if I if I can get off my lazy butt and research how to send it back, I probably will. But like I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe I'll get another Joy Joy-Con or whatever. But these are so much better. I are mean, they? this really feels great. The D-pad feels great. The controls, the triggers are even better, even better than the Joy Cons. But now you always like, play it docked, though. So do you I even use those? I almost always play it docked. I almost always play it docked, but I don't always. I mean, it's probably like a 90-10 split. So, okay. So, like, and I, but because of this, that might increase to like a 70-30, right? Ooh, big change. If I'm doing the math right, the core <laughs> math. Um, math. These are awesome. And I found them on sale at Target. They weren't that expensive, so I grabbed them, and I, I, am, I am digging these quite a bit. I'd buy them in a heartbeat if they if they could do the remote control so that I could use my flip grip. That's like that's what I want. That's the solution I want. Ori Split Pad Pro. No, they won't. These won't work with this with the flip grip because they're not powered and they and they don't have rumble. So if you put them in that little dock thing or whatever to use them as independent controllers, they won't rumble. That doesn't bug me. Um, Yeah. So anyway, I, I I'm loving it. I like it. I've been playing a lot more undocked. Um, which I think is a good thing. Right. Tim, speaking about undocked, what have you been doing with your PC? Yeah, I'm completely undocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I've, uh, uh, well, uh, we're, we're probably alluded to it a bit, and I, I guess you guys talked about it in the previous episode. I've uh, started streaming 
um, for the the wonderful podcast of Pixel Gaiden. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I've been trying to get hold of a graphics card. I think I mentioned it the last 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 episode maybe the yeah they're really hard to find because all the uh, bitcoiners were stealing them <laughs> that's it that's yeah right. um well i eventually managed to get one um and didn't didn't pay too bad i think it was about mm, i don't know about 230 240 pounds something like that um so i got a g4 1660 mm, yeah i think that's the one uh so pop that in the machine and that's that's helping out um nice. Yeah, so that's that's really good. I haven't, I haven't really had any chance to sort of like really uh, stretch its legs as in terms of install any games or anything like that on there yet to see what they're running like. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's doing doing a good job. Um, so the when you're when, when you're not streaming, is it mining bitcoins? <laughs> dodge dodge coins. Dodge dodge coins. Sorry. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. If it's not, it's wasting its time. <laughs> no it's it's most mostly sat there at the moment not doing an awful lot um but yeah no it sounds like me yeah (laughs) it's uh it's doing doing good um and it's i think it's definitely improved the uh when i'm rendering videos and bits and pieces like that as well so yes it's it was a very worthwhile investment um but i've I've had a bit of a lean month in terms of other pickups because uh, obviously my my money this month my fund has been diverted into that so- side of things. Well, the the streams have been awesome. I've been watching. I haven't been able to catch one live, which is keeps bumming me out. But um, I've been watching every single record pre recorded one, and uh, they they just keep getting better and better. Do you have Do you know what you're going to be doing in the future here? So the um, listeners I've can got, look forward to it. I've got a few ideas. Um, I haven't done. I'm thinking probably doing a a, a ZX Spectrum stream next. Oh, there you go. sweet! But not a next stream because I don't have a next <laughs> yet. Yet. Um, so yeah, I, I'm probably probably going to do ZX Spectrum. Um, and one of the reasons was I was kind of waiting for um, uh, Brick Rick to come through as well from. Um, juan martinez uh but i i spoke to him last night i think it was and uh he's about two weeks away on the release on that um so i won't won't get that one in the stream um but i wanted to cover um the game that cody was playing i can't remember what it was called now um, delta delta something yeah, delta shadow delta shadow i think that yeah, was delta shadow that's game right. was so good yeah. so yeah, good. i want, I want to give that a try um plus i want to give a, a couple of classic games a, a run out as well so yeah I've, I've also been thinking about maybe doing kind of like just a, a variety stream so just line up a stack of hardware and just try swapping it over live on the stream and see how that goes <laughs> yeah you're a glutton for punishment you're like here i'm gonna try to connect a ton of hardware live on the stream and if it fails it's gonna hurt and be really embarrassing yeah stream that's part of the fun (laughs) but yeah no i'm 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 enjoying it but it's a fair bit of work i mean it's it's surprising really when you think about it i mean uh, i think last last month's uh i I suppose it was probably about four or five hours worth of content. I suppose I did on on streaming. Um, yeah, I was then, laughing at my I was laughing at myself because Pixel Gaiden is a very long podcast that we have to split into two because it's so big. But still, you single handedly produced more streaming content than we did podcast content on like the first <laughs> month of streaming. Exactly. So 
There you go. I mean, it also gives you an appreciation for for um, Boat and Aaron and and the Brent because they obviously do so much stuff in, in a month. Absolutely, um, they do like three episodes a week or something like that. And I, I guess it, for them now, it's kind of a bit like shelling peas. You know, they they're sort of well into their well into their groove on that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it's it it took a bit of. Um, uh, plucking up the courage the first stream it's a, it feels a bit weird to start off you know you just sat there talking to yourself in in front of the camera yep. and yep. um but it's it's nice because i've got um some some regulars i guess already <laughs> yeah you uh, do that's awesome there's there's my good friend gary uh, uh, Ga- uh gary underscore pinkett he's often in the chat um and yeah. uh, had, um uh, Neil, my good friend, Retro Man Cave, um, he he uh, came into the MSX stream. Um, I'm undecided whether I'm going to do it regularly on a Sunday or a Monday. Um, I'm not not sure what what I, I don't know what, if it's if you guys can possibly appear on it. What works for you better the the Monday the Monday evening stream or the or the Sunday for for my time and what what works better your time? Would it be the Mondays? For me, it probably be Sunday sunday I, yeah. I i have no idea we'll have to talk talk off air and figure that out but um okay yeah i, I want to get on there that'd be awesome absolutely good stuff very cool all right so i mentioned this a little bit last time on the show so I, i've um, been creating some videos what about you curry <laughs> there we go <laughs> i've been playing videos to myself um so I mentioned on the stream last time, or on the stream, on the podcast last time, how I picked up a video disc player and a laser disc player, and so I've been, I, I went a whole hog on buying media for these machines. Uh, so for the laser disc, I picked up, again, just a ton of stuff. The same guy came back to me, and I was able to buy over 40 laser discs at a dollar a pop. Wow. <laughs> Which is awesome. Including, I've got all of the uh, Twilight Zone box sets. Oh, sweet. So I own... I, lo- I love Twilight Zone. Love yeah, it. I'm going through. I've only seen a few of them, and I knew I would love mm-hmm. it. To, so I just... I mean, even on the front here, used, it said 20 bucks for this one. Well, I got it for a buck, darn it. Um, so I got all three volumes. So I have every... I think every episode of the Twilight Zone. So I've already watched like four episodes. Um, if you, and if I got you like a, Twilight Zone, there's a program that was created over here, and it is nowhere near the same quality, but really chintzy and very 80s. And it's called The Tales of the Unexpected. The Unexpected. <laughs> it was something like that here, too, Tim. It was like a knockoff, like a clone of The Twilight Zone, but I don't remember the name of it off yeah, the top of my I, head. I recommend but, that, you, that you have a look at that. Yeah. If you want some really chintzy 80s. I weird love it. Yeah. TV, then, then go for Tales of the Unexpected. It's even the even the intro to it used to scare me. <laughs> love it. Well, it's kind of like the Twilight Zone. Somehow, it's some dude in black and white just talking to you, but somehow it ends up creeping you out. I don't know what it is, but dude, I, I still remember like because I mean I haven't watched Twilight Zone in years, but I still remember a couple of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Like I, I I love them. So when you start watching those, Cody, we got to talk about it because I've got a couple of favorites, man. Perfect. That I remember. Yeah, I've watched a couple already but um but a ton of great ones i i was really trying to hone in on some of the uh the kind of 90s bro films a bunch of steven seagal movies and all like all the schwarzenegger <laughs> movie, movies i have yeah did you get um, twins i don't have twins no I love that film yeah that's a good <laughs> one i like it too twins and kindergarten cop i, could I just do have kindergarten them. cop yeah. i did get kindergarten cop <laughs> um junior is not on your list no junior 
Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. But uh, twi- Twins in Kindergarten Cop, I love those movies. So the other one was, I talked about my video player, but I didn't have any media for it. And I had to pull out that little 13-inch TV because it was RF only. Um, mm-hmm. So guys on the camera here, I'm going to go ahead and move my camera so you can see. First of all, I changed my setup so that now my video disc player is right here. And my laser disc player is under here. So it fits perfectly in my desk, which frees the top of my desk for stuff, which I love. And part of the reason I was able to do that is because I went ahead and modded my video disc player to have composite out now, out the back, which was so probably this... modded up the wazoo. It was probably the simplest mod I ever had to do. Literally, I put the, the, pin, the um, RCA jacks in the back, drilled a hole, put them in there. I had one wire that just went to a point on the board where the audio connected. One wire went right to the video connected, and I just grounded it somewhere. It was three wires, done. Um, I did have to bridge the audio because it's, um, or not the audio, but the ground. But aside from that, it was three wires done. The video output looks <clears throat> as good as the video disc is going to look. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> but exactly. I picked up from, from uh, online at goodwill.com a ton of video discs. I literally have, I went from one to about 30. <laughs> um, wow. <clears throat> and Everything They've from got straight interesting cases, haven't they? Those things they're like big plastic cases. Oh yeah, have you not seen these? No, I I've love never it. Seen that. Yeah, yeah. So this is it's. It looks like a record player, like a record. Like there's literally a, a record in here. I'll show you in a second. And you can see here it says side one. Mm-hmm. On the back it says side two. And you literally shove this into the machine and pull the cartridge out, and the disc stays in the machine. Ah. And, to, and to flip it over, you put the cartridge back in the right side up pull the disc out, flip it over, put it back in again, and pull it out again. Um, And uh, here I can actually actually open it for you guys, because there's these little clips in here. You can do it manually if you want. I was going to say, I thought they were just... I always thought they were just discs that went in, and it just... You yeah, just, me too. I thought they were like records, but they were like kind of looked more like CDs, but gigantic. Well, that's more or less what's actually in here. Yeah. Here it is. <clears throat> so you have to like physically bypass the security to open it up like this. But if you put the game in, or put the game, put the movie in side one, and when you put it upside down to pull it out side one, then it'll be backwards, of course. Yeah. So, but you can see I've got all kinds of schlock for movies like Squirm. Oh, geez. And Tentacles. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, some classic schlock like Godzilla, King of the Monsters. <laughs> but then I picked up nice. a ton of good stuff. I've got Raiders of the Lost Ark here. No, nice. That's a good one. I got, I got some Tron. Nice. And then I got, I got a bunch of stuff like Animal House and um, uh, Caddyshack and uh, just tons of Porkies. <laughs> I haven't seen Porkies yet, but... All 1983's kind of, Dad Pants. Dad Pants. <laughs> no, didn't get oh, and a, and a movie I have yet to see, and it's been on my list. My boss even told me when I first started working where I work that I'm not allowed to come back to work until oh. I watch it, which I haven't seen it yet, but at Fast Times at Ridgemont High, <laughs> I got yeah, that on video. Never disc. seen that, huh? Never That's seen a good it. one. That's funny. Do you know what? The, also, the artwork on those those things, those those video discs, are just amazing just by themselves, aren't they? You know, you could collect those just for the artwork on them. Yep, yep. I mean, they're all pretty old and kind of beat up, but yeah, they're huge and and they're heavy. That's why I'm surprised yeah. I won some of these things for like a little over, you know, somewhere between a buck or two a, a video disc. And when they shipped it to me, they didn't use media mail, which is dirt cheap because it is media. So they sent me like literally an almost forty pound box of video discs, and I paid like thirty eight dollars or something. There's no way they shipped it for less than thirty eight dollars. No. <laughs> so 
Sorry, Goodwill, I spent your money. Um, not on purpose, but hey. Um, and then the last thing I want to bring up, this isn't even the show notes, but... Do you recognize... Does this look like anything to you? Tim, I, Tim you're going to get there, I think, before Eric will, but ready? What about this? Ah, uh, Betamax, yes. Yeah, Betamax. <laughs> so, hold on, hold on. I'll be right back. Hold on, you me, got the player to go with it. Let me get my back strap on. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This thing is seriously more than 50 pounds. Wow. It's a, it's a top big old loader. zenith. Top loader yeah. Betamax. Where's, where's my button to even open this thing? I can't even find it right now. Piano keys. Yep. Oh, dude. I mean, it's seriously ridiculously heavy. It's even got this, like, plush, like, brown padding on the front. So what make is that? Is that Zenith? Is it or Zenith? It's Zenith. Absolutely. Uh, where's my eject? Here it is. Hey, there you go. So so just just for uh, continuity, Cody is, is struggling with an extremely <laughs> <Honestly>. large <laughs> Betamax player. It's <laughs> got it's all these little, like, channels and buttons on the side. Like, it's crazy. However, oh, I'm knocking things over. That's serious. I'm breaking a sweat holding that thing up for you guys. That thing is ridiculous. Um, however, I can't find any good movies or anything for it because everything you find on Betamax is, how shall we say, very adult. Yeah. That's all there is out there. <laughs> right. So I don't know what to do with that now. I have one one tape to make sure it works. Um, and I would love to I find know, some... Um... I know uh, Rod from Future was eight bit. He is a massive Betamax fan. Is he okay? He, he has uh, two or three different players, and he has you know like your uh, this again is very visual. Cody behind you, you've got sort of like that that big bookcase yeah. directly behind you. He has got a one of those full of movies and uh basically betamax tapes and he also this is this is really really geeky i love it um d- uh, i can't remember do you, did you guys ever have um like uh, the teletext system over there on we your didn't. you didn't okay so we did not. yeah I, over in the uk we had the teletext which was sort of like graphical data um, that used to come over the the television and you used to be able to press a button on your TV and on the channel it would go to the graphical data and you used to be able to get the news and all that sort of stuff from it. Um, Well, he has loads of Betamaxes of just the recordings of pages (laughs) from pages from cfax which was the bbc service and the oracle which was the itv um and i think at one stage his intention was to archive a lot of this stuff but that is actually a thing you know people people do this um people like there was a project there was a project tim where um that i was reading about that had a like you could take a raspberry pi and people were taking the tele, tele, teletype stuff out of those signals yeah, and it. archiving them. Yeah. And you could take a Raspberry Pi, hook it to an HDMI TV and mount it on your wall and just look at teletype data, which was just like the news. I mean, yeah. it was like well, it, the it, news. I, and then there were other channels that could do different things, too. Yeah. I mean, um, there was a, there's a, I mean, it's still going now. You see it on Twitter. Um, there's a few people out there. There's, um, I can't remember what the, the name of the guy is now. Um, uh, 
uh, but they, they you, you you often see sort of like some artwork fly about from from that particular style the view data yep. style artwork um and uh yeah there's 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 lots of it's it about so Cody, that like the the teletype stuff just looked like old BBS stuff. Like it was just pages in of text, those fonts of like fonts of like the eighties style fonts, you know. But I would love to just mount a TV like with cordless, like p- just put it on there, like a work of art where it just <laughs> displayed endless teletype like news from the eighties. That would well, be amazing. You guys also have the mother of the creation of that. The BBC Micro is what used to create all of that stuff. Oh, really? That's right. Um, okay. Yeah. Teletech. Yep. The view data. Um, so you can actually get a um, a little wedge adapter for the um, for the BBC Micro, which is the the teletext adapter. Um, so it could do all that through it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was the. Uh, the the thing that they used to use a lot was the BBC Micro, um, and the the main font in the BBC Micro is exactly the same font as you saw on the screen, uh, but they yeah, did yeah. all the all the graphics were just just sort of like different coloured um, characters and pixels on the screen, yep, um, yep. and the, the art some of the artwork on that is absolutely amazing. It's brilliant. I think it's Hausenberger. <laughs> um, is the have a look for that. Um, either on Twitter or, and you'll see see the artwork. I think it was Hausenberger. Hausenberger. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And, and, and Tim, and Tim I, I remember reading about um, that people were taking some of these old videotapes from people and asking them to send them in so they could recover the teletype stuff because all these people that recorded all these sitcoms and TV shows That's back it. in the day, that teletype data is actually hidden in the, in the data stream it's on straight. those TV shows. Correct. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Bizarre. Yeah. yeah. It's all, it's all there. Yeah. yeah you can so take the last, the last hardware thing I, I'll mention real quick is I did also finally, uh, my biggest expense this month with picking up a, a desoldering gun which I've been wanting to do for a long time. So now I have the gun that I can actually uh, pull the solder out of all the 40 pins to pull out a, a chip and things like that, and I can actually do some legit board work. Um, so I've, I've been running that thing silly already. Yeah, this... Did you, you grab a... Yeah, did you grab, like, a knockoff one or something? Yeah, I didn't get, like, a Heiko or anything. Um, I forget the, the brand, but yeah, it's some, you know, import it's, brand. But it looks pretty solid. Something you spend more time unblocking than you do actually desoldering. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's what I did. I bought one of the knockoffs, and I've been loving it. It works great, and it's like twenty, like I don't know, twenty five percent, fifty percent the cost of the Heiko. Because yeah, those things are really expensive. I mean, if, if that was something I was going to use daily, like if it was my job, of course I'd get the Heiko. But yeah, I'll probably yeah. use this, you know, eight times a year realistically, and for right. that, saving three hundred bucks to to kind of clean it out every time it's fine i'll do i'll deal with it yeah i've been happy with mine it's worked great and it's a total knockoff so talking i'm excited i'm excited i'm excited about this knockoff eric i'm excited to see what you got here this is cool so this might end up being my like project of the year because i am loving this project so hang on we 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 need we need some audio for this hang on project of the year could be a contender. I don't know. The year's not, the year's just started. But this all started when I was on the Amigos um, Discord, um, the Discord server, which if you're a member of any of our podcasts, you can join the Discord server, and I highly recommend you do so. There's great conversations there. So if you're but, a Patreon supporter at $3 or above. Correct. 
Um, so I was on there on the, there is a new channel on the discord that is talks about the Mr. FPGA and I'm not going to go into what the Mr. FPGA is, but, uh, it's a very popular thing now where you can play cores, which are basically simulations of all sorts of different old microcomputers and consoles and, and all sorts of stuff. And there are tons of them, but Flack from the Sprite Castle podcast said, hey, look at this. There's like this guy doing a 3D print of a case for the Mr., which is can turn the Mr. into a wedge computer. Love it. And that that immediately got my got my like interest because I love wedge computers. They're like my favorite thing in the world. So I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I typed on there. I was like, hey, this is really cool. I'd love to do this someday. I don't have a 3D printer. So I'd love to do this. And David Z on there said, hey, let me try to print this thing out and see how it comes out. If it comes out well, I'll send it to you. So a couple few days later, boom, he prints it out and it looks really good. And I was like, dude, I will pay for shipping. I'll pay for the plastic. Just send that to me because I want to put together this wedge computer for um, for my mister because it's just been stored in a little 3D printed little box, basically. So, yeah, when I think of when I think of a mister, I think of a jumble of wires and components. Correct. And that's (laughs) pretty much what it is. So he prints it out. He sends it to me. And sure enough, I mean, it is a great print job. It's not all kind of, you know, sometimes 3D print jobs are really messed up. But anyway, I bought the mechanical keyboard that needs to go on this. But I know this is kind of weird over video, but it is. Oh, wow. That looks really cool. All so black. it is a 3D printed um, case for the Mister, but it takes the hub. If you look in the bottom of this thing, if you guys can see, there is the Mister on this side, and there is the USB hub on this side, and it fits in this 3D printed case, um, and all the ports are open in the back and on the sides for HDMI. Now, what, what is the keyboard out of? The keyboard, so the guy who designed the 3D print of this... He chose this mechanical keyboard from Amazon that is about 40 bucks and it lights up when you plug it in. It's, it's all lit up. So it, it's bright. Um, and it is basically just a mechanical keyboard. And w- in the 3d print job, the 3d print job comes in two pieces, the bottom and the top piece, the keyboard slides into this groove nice and tight. It's, it's not flopping around. It slides into this thing and you, screw the top on and it holds it in place as you can see it's not falling out or anything yeah it looks solid i don't have to i didn't have to glue it in i didn't have to tape it in or anything it won't come out because the top actually holds it in so anyway you plug this in and now you have access to about 25 different microcomputers um about 15 to 20 console systems and i bought recently a 500 gigabyte sd card that goes in here that has the rom sets for all of them so literally like I plug this in and I have access to almost everything. I mean, it is amazing. It, it, it looks, feels, I mean, you can plug a network port in the back here and it will, you can do, you can connect to BBSs cause the mister supports that now it, it does, has a virtual modem simulator. And it's got a bunch so, of holes that you're not using there that can you, you can expand further into that thing. Yeah, so you can, you know, when you get a mister, you typically, it basically the little motherboards will stack on top of each other. So you have the mister, which is the DE10 Nano. It's an FPGA computer. 
You stack on top of that a micro USB hub so that you don't have to have an external hub. I always use an external hub. So I never had um, the the actual hub. Stacking, yeah. And then you can also get an I.O. board. The I.O. board, the only thing it does, and I had one. I have, well, I have one. Um, it gives you like a VGA port, a second SD card slot, um, and some of them give you digital sound out and stuff like that. I never used my I.O. card, so basically I removed it and put it in the garage. I don't use it. So the extra holes on this case are for if you have an I.O. board, you can actually plug in a VGA port so that you can plug arcade. If you want to run like CRTs and plug them into VGA ports or whatever, you can use those. I didn't even install my I.O. board because I only use HDMI. Um, but anyway, I thought the print job came out. I really want to thank David Z on uh, on Discord. Um, he printed this out for me, and I really not really great dude. I mean, he did a great print job on this thing. Um, but now I got a little wedge computer that is my Mister instead of having carrying around in a little box and it, it, you know plugging in like an external mouse and keyboard and all that stuff to it. Like I literally just plug this in and I'm good to go. Very cool. That's it must like have taken we, a while to print that out as well. I would think so, but it, from what I can see from this guy, he has a very nice 3D printer. All right. Okay. So I think it, yes, it probably took, I think he, I think at one time he said it took like, and I'm, I'm just trying to, I have bad memory here, but I think he said it took like maybe 18 hours, 15 hours, something like that. But man, it is, it, it all went together very well, like screwing the, the boards in there's actually screw holes in the 3d print design uh, putting the lid on it all went in like very smoothly i had to buy the mechanical keyboard some m3 screws and some cables to make it all connect together but it 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 works brilliantly oh and i plan the last thing i'm going to mention on this is i plan on doing a video where like i show more d i took pictures of make the making of like, you know, the pieces independent and putting them in. I didn't take a video because I just was excited to build it. And I didn't want to do video and take forever doing that. But I have a slideshow kind of of static pictures of that, which I'll put into a video that I'll throw up on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network YouTube channel. You're going to do a, a Mr. Wedge PowerPoint. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty much what, what I'm going to do. Very exactly. cool. <laughs> so anyway, that's my project. I, I, I mean... I'm loving this thing. I put it down. I, I can use it for all these different BBC Micro, you know, Archimedes, C64, Amiga, Atari ST, anything you can think of, anything 16-bit and below, it just does a simulation of that, and it works great. So Nice. Fun project. Yeah. Good stuff. Speaking of a fun project, Tim, tell me. What is this? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I literally had nothing to report this month because <laughs> I hardly bought any retro stuff or anything like that. And and to be fair, this wasn't a purchase this month. Um, this purchase in uh, December. And it because of uh, Brexit and other things going on over here at the moment, it took almost a month to get to me. Um, and this is the ultimate floppy emulator from Edu Arana. Yeah, um, and this has been covered um, a few times. Um, I know Doug has done a, a really good video explaining about it, so I, I watched that, and that was one of my main reasons for purchasing. Um, so I got hold of, uh, managed to 
sneak on when he's actually got some orders going for stuff because it's um, so often that his stuff just sells out so quickly and he, he builds them in batches. So literally you go on the website most of the time and, there, and it just says, well, like it does now, it just says out of stock. Um and then eventually he'll open some stuff up for pre-order. The pre-orders go and then um, off, off it goes again. Um, but uh, yeah, I man managed to get hold of one of these. These are really good devices. So what it essentially is, um, is it's kind of like a replacement uh, for a GoTech. Uh, so that's like the floppy emulator. Um, but this, this one's a much smaller and neater. And the good thing about this is it doesn't have to mount internally. Um, it can mount externally through the floppy drive port on the back of the Amiga, uh, which yeah. is universal to all the Amigas. Um, it takes power <sighs> directly from the power port as well. Um, so you don't need any other any other cables. Um, you've got a, a USB A type socket and an SD micro SD socket. Um, so you can uh, use your USB to uh, put all the games, the ADF files, or you can use the SD card to put the the games on there. It's got the little OLED display on there as well and it's got the rotary dial so you can use that to uh, select through the different games that you've got uh, it works with uh, the oh, I can't remember the names it's scroll down there Cody is it on that one uh, it's the well basically there's two standards uh, there's one I can't remember the name of and there's also the flash floppy and this this one uses the flash floppy uh, firmware on there uh, which is a good one to use so you have like the uh, web uh, the uh, what was it called the uh, the the boot program um, and then that allows you to put the ADF files into different slots and then you can use the rotary dial just to um, dial those different slots up to essentially put sw switching the discs over uh, so you've got all the all your discs that are on the SD card available through and then you can just swap those in using the rotary dial and then just reboot your Amiga and swap swap over but the other good thing with this is because it literally is um you know you just plug it in onto the back it's great for you know replacement for an external floppy drive if you just want to transfer some data over from your pc to your amiga you can just copy it straight onto the sd card plug, plug the sd card into the back of the ultimate floppy and off you go uh, there is a, a floppy header on there so you can actually put this you can mount it internally um, this is the problem that i had with my one because in doug's video he had one that powered via usb um, so you could mount it inside the case in the amiga and then sort of like run a, a usb power supply to it something like you know powers your mobile phone or something like that recharges your mobile phone you could use it at the micro sd adapter on there um uh, sorry micro usb sorry uh but this one doesn't have it so i was kind of like confused how i how i power it uh but this is a different revision and there's uh i think it's a um a five volt power rail that you can solder to so you can pick up five volts off of the board and and solder from the board onto this to power it internally but to be honest i, I you know i don't really think you you need it as such um if you want to do a proper internal mod 
then you're probably still better off using the GoTech. Uh, but this is ideal for sort of like just, you know, casual stuff and data transfer. You can get it to boot off of this. Um, if you've got uh, OS 2.1, I think it is, the Kickstart 2.1 and above, uh, where you um, reset your Amiga, you hold uh, both buttons down, it comes up into the boot menu where you can change between PAL and NTSC, but also you can tell it to boot from DF0 or DF1. So when this one is on your uh, external port, you've got a switch on the side and you can uh, change it over from DF0 to DF1. Um, and then you can, some of, most of the games are certainly a lot of the modern stuff. Um, so I've been playing a lot of dodgy rocks recently. Um, <laughs> and that boots straight from there quite happily. Um, Vegetables Deluxe, which again, another game I've been playing, that one doesn't boot from there. It wants to see DF0 hard strapped, I think, that one. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few games that you can play, uh, directly and boot straight from it. Uh, but yeah, it's a really, really neat solution. Um, and it's, it's kind of obviously a bit better than the, than the GoTech, which is, um, you know, a bit more fiddly to mount and, um, probably a bit of a, of a similar price. Um, but I know there's another device that um, Amiga Bill did recently. I can't remember the name of it now, uh, but that seems to be a very, very slick internal um, uh, solution for a floppy emulator, which is rivaling the GoTech. Very cool. I saw, yeah, I saw that one, Tim. That other one. It seems just a little more, uh, I don't know, efficient in its motherboard design. It's smaller. But it does the same thing as the GoTech, right? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, that, it yeah. seems a little, little more together that one. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll try and find out the name of it. Something like Open Floppy or something like that. I don't remember, yeah. but I, I've been reading a lot about that because I've been thinking about putting one in my Amiga Six Hundred. Yeah, it seems seems like it's a good solution. Um, but uh, like I say, th this one is is great. It's a good good all rounder, I think. Um, and it's a bit neater if you don't want to um, take out that original floppy drive inside your machine. It's it's good to have that option. And if you've got um, you know if you've only got one GoTech in one of the other machines and you still want to transfer those ADF files around between other Amigas that you might have um, then it, again it's a good solution because it just goes in the floppy port and you know every Amiga's got that very cool cool yeah um, speaking of things that are square shaped a <laughs> <laughs> uh, number of games I've been playing I wanted to point out uh, runes on the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive, depending on where you're from. I do love a good Fallenbach puzzle puzzle game. Definitely. And if you enjoy solo play, you have to play this. It's so good. Um, it is kind of a take on Columns, the Sega Genesis game Columns. What I love about it is uh, you've got these, you know, three tall block columns. Uh, and of course, by hitting the button, like any good Fallenbach Tetris style game, you could swap which which uh, color goes in which spot. You know, they kind of cycle through. And it's a game where you're trying to make matches of three of these runes in a row to get rid of them. Um, but it's a falling plot puzzle game, and it's uh, music is really repetitive. You kind of get tired of it, but it's very solid. And what I love about it is in campaign mode, which I'm trying to see if this video sh will show you campaign mode. You can see here they're they've got a full screen of these things. Um, here we go, campaign mode. You see this big old map, and it's got this fantasy theme, theme to it. 
and you go around this map trying to complete challenges, and they're kind of like these, you know, it's um, almost like Mr. Driller, where you kind of have to go play different portions of the levels to do different things. Um, right. The gameplay is always the same, but the but the the um, objectives change, and you also get power ups. So for example, for example, let's see if I can see this. This level says difficulty easy, time limit. You have sixty seconds. It's a falling block puzzle game, so yes, there is a time limit, Eric. Um, so on this one, it just says match the target colors. So you'll see on this particular one over here on the side here, you'll say you have to match three reds, three oranges, three yellows, three greens, three blues, three purples. Once you do that, you win. You have sixty seconds to do it. Uh, further on, they'll have ones where they have certain blocks that are flashing. It'll be like, you just have to get rid of these blocks. Um, but every time you beat the level, here we go, capture all the flashing runes, right? Um, but as you play this, every time you beat a level, you get like a power-up, and you can use the power-ups. And so you might get a power-up that adds time to your play, or you might get one that says, get rid of all of one color, and you can get rid of all the oranges on the screen. So it becomes strategic. And I played, um, I played this three different times, and the third time I was able to complete the entire campaign mode. Uh, oh, not, wow. It's not terrible difficult once you strategize how to use your power-ups and when to use them. But I would highly suggest you give this a shot if you like falling block puzzle games. It's a whole lot of fun. It looks awesome. Yep. Brand new homebrew. Really colorful. Very um, great gameplay. Love it. Another so game. just th- throw that on the EverDrive, right? Yep. Absolutely. Cool. I think I paid a couple, right. couple bucks for it. Yeah. Very uh, similar it's, to Columns, isn't it, that one? Yeah, very much. It's it's basically Columns, but um, with a cool like fantasy uh, theme thrown on it. And, the, again, the campaign adds all kinds of power-ups and RPG kind of elements that are really cool. Mm, it's good. So I also really hopped on... Yeah, I also hopped on my C64 and finally got around to playing Isle of the Cursed Prophet. Which have you guys? You guys have heard of this one? I'm, I'm assuming, right? I've heard, I've heard of it. Haven't played it. Haven't seen it. Haven't played it. So uh, this kind of came in fourth and fifth for a lot of game of the year lists, and deservedly so. The intro it almost looks like a demo. The intro graphics, like look at this. This is when the game starts. There's like a car going down this road, and it's kind of got this creepy, shadowy, uh, eerie feel to it. And it almost yeah, it looks like animation. Yeah, the uh, oh, oh boy, is it called um, another world? Yeah, very, yeah, it kind of feels like that. that kind of intro. Yeah, but great intro, uh, really cool cutscenes uh, at the beginning and end, and end of the game. Spoiler alert! Um, I won't tell you what they are though. But I mean, look at this rotoscoped animation of people getting out of the cars and like walking to the edge of the uh, the dock here. But basically, the concept of this game is once you actually start the gameplay it's almost like a legend of zelda feeling top-down action adventure game um however the enemies just constantly attack you uh but the idea is basically you run around this huge island which if you buy the physical version it comes with a map you really need the map to kind of figure out where you're going yeah and you're basically just trying to collect all of these items from around the entire island but as you do that little things pop out little kind of cues as to what's going on the island it's a mysterious island where things are happening that don't make sense and you're kind of putting things together and there's people that live there but people have gone missing and it's really got kind of a creepy vibe um yeah didn't we talk about this but last it's a month? whole lot of did we talk about yeah. this one 
I thought we did because it no, looks very maybe I, familiar. Like maybe when we you did. walk around, you're just finding clues, and you, you the boat takes you to the island, and then. If we yeah, talked about we it, then I, I apologize, but I I completed it. I love it. Yeah, it's a must. It looks it's really a must cool. play. It's a must yeah, play. Definitely. Well, I might have repeated I, when, myself after you had mentioned. I was like, man, I got to get this game. This looks really good. But I I think this is the one we talked about. Yeah, it probably is. I for whatever reason I thought we didn't talk about it, so I wanted to bring it up this month. But that would make sense. No, um, and it's worth talking about again. I mean, if it's something you completed and you really loved it, I it looks really good. And there's nothing else like it on the Commodore. That I've ever played, right. so not not yet yeah. anyway, because this is um, going to be similar to the Briley Witch Project, isn't it? Uh, well, what I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I know Absolutely. the uh, top-down view does. I thought that was more of an RPG, but maybe it's not. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, more yeah, of a top-down yeah. action game. Uh, well, yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yep, but you have to try that out. And then I I didn't write it down here in our notes, but I'm going to take this second to uh. Well, skip the next one I have written because I don't even remember the name of that game. But I will mention that um, my Amiga, uh, Eric, I kind of alluded to this last episode, but my Amiga, uh, I, to this day, I've never had a great Amiga experience because the hardware keeps making things difficult on me. Um, and that hasn't stopped, even though I love my 1200 and it worked, the 1200 now works beautifully. My mm-hmm. 1080 monitor, which I bought from the uh, local Amiga club here, uh, now, when it warms up after three or four minutes, we'll start turning yellow, and it makes everything look terrible. Terrible, and so I shut it off, and I've tried to replace cables and try different things, and I feel like it's just a, a monitor problem. Yeah. yeah. So I reached out to Jerry, which is the vice president of the local club, and uh, he had a couple more 1084 monitors available for me to choose from. Oh, nice. So I, I picked one up, and I was stoked about it. He actually, if you look on the top of this thing here. He actually has a piece of blue tape on it that says Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which I love. So the way I talked to him about it was laughing. He, but because he has so many monitors and things to take care of, he actually has names for all of them. So he can reference which one does what. And so the cream of the crop, the, the sexiest looking one was Jessica Rabbit. So, of course, I bought Jessica Rabbit. Oh, jeez. Uh, which is like, <laughs> everything works beautifully. The picture's great. And, of course, I take it home and it won't turn on now. <sighs> Um, I've been playing with it, and every once in a while the picture will fade in and then slowly fade back out. So I did a little research, and it sounds like a cold solder joint, which would, should be an easy fix. But I am not going to put my hands inside of a old Amiga CRT because I know the kind of voltages and stuff that are in there. Right. Um, you, need, you need to uh, yeah. You need to di- disarm the, uh, the the CRT first with those sort of things. Um, yep. It, is it you you've seen people um i know uh, a youtuber jan beta um he he does a lot of the the crt repairs as well and uh, he puts up a massive disclaimer before it's you know i'm i'm okay doing this but please don't take my advice don't do what i do yep <laughs> just in case yep. you blow yourself up uh, yeah yeah because yeah. the, the high voltage will throw you and so what happens if you're working with a screwdriver and you touch it all of a sudden the screwdriver shoots towards you and this you know screwdriver flying fast towards your chest means impalement and things yeah um that being said it was cool talking to jerry and catching up with the club because i wouldn't physically pick this up from him and a few cool things i will mention here which i thought was really cool we talked about marlin who who has the brewing academy and does all those cool peripherals and stuff primarily for ataris and the ti-99 line of computers um jerry heard me talk about marlin on the show 
and uh, reached out to Marlin, and now the group, the Amiga group locally here is now working with Marlin to have some Amiga parts being designed and made, some oh, new perfect. stuff, which I'm not going to, I won't try to break any news here, but there, there'll be new parts that don't exist on the market yet. Oh, that's um, amazing. And he's also going to be joining the uh, the uh, the local um, uh, Amiga, what's the uh, the show they do every year here? Amy um, West. Amy West. So Marlon, in theory, should be there with all his wares, uh, which will be really cool. And further and foremost, uh, I also found that uh, Marlon apparently is comfortable fixing monitors, so I might be reaching out to him to try to get both my monitors fixed. Oh, that um, would be really cool. I feel like, you know, technically I could do it, but the amount of... I don't know what in there exactly can blow up or hurt me, and I don't want to find out, so... Yeah, it's, it's the... Um, it's the, the... What they call the anode, or whatever it is. Uh, the, the It basically looks like a sucker on the top of the monitor. Um, so you need to be able to short... Basically short that out. So take out all the electricity because there's lots yep. of voltages that run inside there. So you've got to, ha- um, you've got basically you've got to ground yourself, um, and then get the screwdriver just underneath that cap, um, drain it, just, just drain it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But even that anode is connected to a high voltage part on the board, which means those voltages are also in some of the solder joints on the board. I'm just going to stay out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you want to. Uh, yeah, because I mean, I watched something that said that for every different CRT made, every different one, there's a different de de electrifying method for it. And I don't want to get it wrong because <laughs> that could mean curtains for old Eric. Yeah, yep. they, they, um, they used to have special machines for that um, where you used to plug them into and all that sort of stuff, and it de armed the tube. Uh, yeah. But um, I've, nice. I've never been able to find one of those machines around. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So speaking of hardware, Eric, did you pick up some new hardware? Yeah, we've been talking about Doug a lot, uh, 10-minute Amiga Retrocast, but he uh, reached out to me on Twitter and said, hey, I got an Atari 7800. Boom, there it is. Look at that. So I, I finally have an Atari 7800. It's not in the greatest cosmetic shape. Like, you can see that big wedge out of the top. It's, like, just plastic that's... I think a lot of 7800s are missing some of those fins. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, broken out, and then there's, like, a... You can't really see it on camera, but there's a crack down here. When you put a cartridge in, it kind of flexes this plastic, and there's a crack down here. Yep, yep. But, so, cosmetically may not be the best, but it works perfectly. came with power supply. Um, He included two of the good old Pro-Line joysticks. Yep. That come with it. There's even he even had a game pad with it. You know the thing that has the Star Raiders pad with the buttons on it. Oh yeah, yeah, Star Raiders um, kit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Here it is. So the little Star Raiders pad. Um, and then he included two games. Um, one on one basketball and uh, can't remember what the other one was. Oh, Zevius, I think it. No, no, I had Zevius. Anyway. He included that. Everything works great, and I'm just getting into the Atari 7800, and, man, it's a fun system. I mean, the ports look really great for the arcade ports, which is really what Atari is all about. Um, But I have about nine games right now, nine or ten games, and uh, I've been playing through them, like Dig Dug, Choplifter, Galaga, stuff like that. But my favorite so far has been Food Fight. I don't know if you guys have played it on the 7800. Yeah, that's considered by a lot of people to be one of the best games on there. Man, it is a blast. I, I I just loaded it up. I never played Food Fight before. Loaded it up, started like playing it. Couldn't put it down for about an hour and a half. Oh wow! And I was 
I was loving it, like trying to get a high score. I started keeping a high score um, table on my Scion 5, like on a spreadsheet. Like I'm just recording all my 7,800 games and like the high scores I do on those. Um, But Food Fight, excellent. And I'm just really enjoying the ports on here. I mean, I know the 7,800 is kind of derided, like in the community, like people don't really like it. But man, first of all, it's a multitasker. It plays 2,600 games. Play 7,800 games. And I know there's not a lot. There's only 59 official 7,800 games. Um, Go for the full collection. The games, yeah, the games I got are play. I mean, I have 10 games now. I'm I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sixth of the way there. Yeah. Well, so I, a big, I think I, a big part of the reason it's, it's derided is when it was actually released, the <clears throat> NES was well into its lifespan and the games were infinitely more advanced at that point. Right. Um, it was designed and it took like three. Oh, there it is. There's, there's Tim's. And it took yeah. like three years to get released after it was already made and already like in yeah. boxes and warehouse shelves. So by the time it was released, it was very old tech. But that's right. If you can separate your the competition Ooh. from it, yeah, it's enjoyable. That's a lot shinier than mine, Tim. Well, yours is looks in great shape. over the Atari. Oh, peel that yeah. off. That drives me nuts. Get that off of there. <laughs> no way. Ah, <laughs> uh, take that off. I like the shiny underneath. I, I, when you mentioned that you got your 7800, um, I yeah. got this one out and I've got the power supply and all that sort of stuff. And this, uh, this hasn't been composite modded, so it's just RF and I can't get anything out of it. The power switch is a little bit dodgy on it as well. Uh, oh, wow. So I, I took it apart, had a quick look. Um, I'm, I'm going to um, get the, uh, the composite mod from uh rod future was eight bit and yep. get that on there and just see um, yeah. it's, it, I, I, it, I know it definitely worked worked the last yeah. time i <laughs> worked the last <laughs> time it, which was probably about four years ago um but i've i've got a few games with this one so i've got uh what's it crossbow okay yeah, i don't have that one yeah looks uh, good though I mean, i've heard the good things about that one got karateka yep i have that one too uh summer games um, I'm going to pull a Tim here and show this now. Oh, yeah. Nice. You got the box. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is for the XE, though. This isn't 7800. This is XE. Oh, but. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hat Trick, which is a hockey game. Apparently, this yeah. one is a super game cartridge, whatever that means. Super. Super. And uh, these are the controllers that we had in the UK. These are the I game want pads. those. I want those. I can't yeah, find those anywhere. Like the game pads. Yeah. And yeah. they have two buttons got two of those yeah the 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 joysticks have got there are actually two independent buttons as well aren't they yeah but yeah. they're i can't use them that way i i yeah. struggle with yeah, that, I, jo- these, that i mean these two buttons are completely separate like there's a one and a two but you're right cody it took me a, t- a whole day of playing it to even get used to it yeah i want that i've been wanting that right there exactly yep, yep. now if i remember correctly two things one uh eric i got a couple of uh, 7800 games when you and i went to the last pinball that's right thing and i sent yeah. you home with them to grab them from you later yeah <laughs> but i have them I, I think they were garbage games and they were given to me so you can just keep them i think it was like karateka and like another game that were just apparently terrible oh was it Xevious? and they were yeah. like terrible on the 7800 apparently not Xevious, yeah. but karateka the cartridge doesn't even bear it barely works yeah i need to the, take it apart the guy just gave it but, to me so that's cool yeah. um but uh i forgot what i was going to say about the 7800 but I've been That'd having be fun, fun to dig it, into so it. Yeah, I've been having a blast with it. Cool. 
by the way. Yeah. That one is all fully boxed. Of course it is. See, and you got the cool controllers <laughs> even on the box. I want those controllers. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, one other thing is that, I, so I was looking at that uh, composite mod, Tim, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, even before I got it in, I was like looking at it because I was just going to have it shipped. I was just going to buy it and do it because my 2600 RF output is horrible. Yeah. So, like, I did a composite mod on that. But I when when it, when this finally came from Doug, I plugged it into my RF, like on my CRT, because I have one of those little RF adapters, so I don't need the little switch box. Mm-hmm. It looks amazing yeah. on RF. So I'm I'm I didn't even order the I'm not doing the composite mod. I'm going to keep it. It looks amazing. So yeah. I'm going to leave it as it is. My my Intellivision is exactly the same. I can't believe the quality mm-hmm. of the RF on my Intellivision. It just looks brilliant. Yeah. So I I did do the uh, the Fusion Rose 8 bit mod on my 7800 when I got it. But for me the, the the mod is never as much about the video quality as it is about the fact that I don't have TVs that accept RF. And I don't want to pull okay. out that tiny little 13-inch every time with like one speaker in it to play an RF system. I, everything needs to be composite. Yeah, so, if, if, so I I could use if I didn't have this big Toshiba here next to me, yep. uh, this Toshiba has a perfect RF modulator, like a RF port. I mean, and I bought one of those little adapters. It's just a tiny little thing that screws into the RF port and lets it plug into an RCA cable. Works. It works great. Yeah. So anyway, I, looks really good. I've got to think about these things because obviously I've got to find ways to stream this stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything's got to be composite then, at least. Yeah. But I yep. do have um, an old style VCR, um, which yep. will obviously allow me to put that in and then it will output through SCART, which I could then put into my upscaler. So even awesome. so, even that, I think I can probably do that with my, with my NT. So I think I might have to do that soon. I might be able to do that now with my beta player. You could, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's even harder to get yeah. out, but hey. Well, your your beta your your beta max won't have uh, won't have um, uh, like an RGB out or anything like that, will it? It's just just uh, is it a coax? I'll have to check. I'll have to check. I'll do it in here in a second. Okay. But um, but yeah, a little bit later we're going to be talking about six good Coco games. So Tim, I know you've been delving into the Coco for pretty much the first time, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I covered that on um, stream recently, which was Coco Time with Tim. Love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we um, had a, had a good stream, and uh, it actually got picked up by um, Coco Time Live, I think it was, um, which was a, a live stream that was done um, as we're talking now, which would have been. Um, what was that the weekend of uh saturday the 6th i think it was of february um so that uh, is available out there on the youtubes um and you can go to um youtube and look for i'm a cocoa nut <laughs> i love that <laughs> good gracious um, so yeah, so he uh I can't remember the name of the guy, but he does a lot of um videos on the Coco. So I'm going to Is that Curtis uh, that's Curtis Boyle or no? No, no, it's not it's not uh, Curtis was on the uh on the live stream and he obviously was talking about us cuz he's a he's a member of the Amigos community as well. And um, super helpful informative yeah, Coco. Very D. helpful. Yeah, some of the stuff that he was coming talking about was was my trials and tribulations with the uh with the different uh, screen modes on the Coco as well. So, um, where you, you power it on and because of the, Oh, um, I learned all about that while listening yeah. to your 
conversation. Yeah, the 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 different um, cycles it can get off of when you power it on. So it'll be on one particular screen screen mode or something along those lines, and you have to keep hitting reset to get get the colors right before you start the game. Yeah, so I've always I've used the Coco now because since Eric and has kind of introduced me to it for a couple of years now. And I never understood that because, yeah, I would say, if the box is red, hit reset until it's blue. And I'm like, why? What the heck is going on? I just never even thought about it. And then my Coco 3 could never even do it. Like, it always was red. It just was always red. Yeah. And so, yeah, he he taught me a few tricks there in that discussion. And now I get it. Yeah, it, it was based on these phases. So inherently the only way to do it is to have somebody manually hit reset until it just caught the right phase to put the right color scheme up (laughs) how janky is that (laughs) i'm sorry it's character it adds character characterful yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um yeah i've I've been having fun with the streams and the coco one was was a good one i i enjoyed that um and especially uh when i when i played um uh 3d death chase and mega bug which we'll we might talk about a bit later all right giving them giving it away selling so the farm Kobe, what have you been yeah. what else have you been playing on the switch well i i i continue to play games that i fall in love with until i beat them that's just kind of my thing and um i think oh, oh. so Is it we talked again <laughs> Eric's doing a little Asahi. I'm sneaking in a little tiny Asahi. So yeah, Eric Eric is uh, going to have a fourth beer without me because uh, even though I just downed three tall boys, I'm still trying to recover from the Super Bowl. Um, I think I'm good right now. But uh, cheers, cheers, cheers. Let me hit the button. Ding. Okay. So we we talked about Time Spinner, which I purchased last um, last show. And we talked about how I purchased it, and I was excited to play it. But I just wanted to show you guys some gameplay. But I fell in love with this game and played uh, through it in probably about six hours, I want to say. And it is a great Metroid-style Castlevania game. Um, Here's some video of the gameplay and stuff. But Eric, if you loved Bloodstained... I did. um, This... I mean, it's it's almost like... it's, It's its own kind of thing it's got a different kind of a different art style but the music yeah. the settings and everything is very much bloodstained very much um castlevania symphony of the night down to the way things play and the way things sound but it's got its own um it's kind of a little cutesier and it's a little more um it has this kind of time pause mechanic you'll see in there a lot yeah you're this quote-unquote time spinner and she can uh, stop time and travel between different time periods but if you want a metroidvania that is fun uh, very playable. Not it's it, it's easy. It's not difficult, um, okay. and you can finish it in six to eight hours. I highly recommend this. Absolutely love this game. Um, time, I will check it out. Time spinner, kind of on every, everything from Steam to all the new systems and everything else. Okay. So I completed that. There's another game I had sitting here. Speaking of um, uh, Bloodstained and Symphony of the Night. Um, you had mentioned that you bought uh, Curse of the Moon, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2. I did. I bought um, the second one, yeah. So I wanted to dig into the first one because I had it on my shelf. Yeah. And I have to laugh because I bought it from Limited Run, not Limited Run, from, was it Limited Run? No. Oh, no, this one was just at Best Buy, <laughs> straight oh, okay. up at Best Buy for yeah. tw- for 20 bucks. So I bought it and I just eventually got around to, to getting it, to tw- wanting to play it. And I literally like, 
just barely ripped the cellophane. And before I went any further, I'm like, you know what? I wonder if this thing, like, is worth money now. Because you know me, I can't just play a game. I have to be like, if it's worth a bunch of money, I'm, I'm going to sell it. Yeah. So sure enough, I just barely ripped the cellophane, went on eBay and checked it, and it's like worth like 90 bucks. Jeez. Even though I just wow. bought it bought it a year ago. Yeah. Stupid. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to rip this game open for 90 bucks. Like, that's my mentality. So I threw it up on eBay and got my 90 bucks out of it. Um, and my goal is to go back and actually play it uh, because wow. you, it goes on sale all the time for like five bucks. Yeah. So um, that's incredible. I, I didn't know that it was worth that much money. It's just ridiculous how much physical games are going for because when people decide they want them and they're out of print, they're out of print. Yeah. Um. Anyway, silly. So, anyways, I ended up selling that, making some money, and I'm on. I plan on buying the digital. But I also had a copy of X Morph Defense, which is a another game I bought a long time ago physical, and it went on okay. sale on Switch for like a dollar ninety nine. Oh wow! So, so I did the same thing. I'm like, I'm gonna buy the. I'm gonna buy X Morph Defense. And uh, I will keep the other one sealed, and I bought that one for like 20 bucks, and it'll probably worth, be worth a ton later. I don't know. Um, have you heard of X-Morph Defense? Nope. I haven't either. So I'll just play a quick video. Same thing. Fell in love this game, played through it, beat it. Um, probably another eight hours of total of gameplay. Um, but basically, uh, this game is a tower defense game, but a whole lot of stuff going on at once, and you're basically uh, some sort of alien, high-tech alien race that is uh, kind of trying to take over a future Earth, where the Earth has more technology than they do current day. And you basically put these, like, uh, spikes in the ground, which are, like, expanding your technology over the Earth's area. And you're this little um, kind of general... And you're able to set up, you know, kind of a tower defense stuff. You're able to set up different uh, guns and turrets and shields and things and try to direct uh, the Earth, which is the enemy's forces, to go with the longest pass possible while you shoot them. And um, there's air attacks and land attacks. I don't know if you can see the gameplay here at all. Um, you're not You're not screen sharing. No. Oh, I'm not Please screen sharing? Nope. Well, then, of course, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. Did you see Time Spinner <laughs> when I was doing that? <laughs> nope. Didn't see that one either. Oh, gosh darn it. Well, all right. <laughs> Anyways, here's... There you go. X-Morph Defense. Yay. Oh, it looks really great. Yeah, it was like... It went on sale for like two bucks. It'll probably go on sale there again. So, highly suggest... It. I mean, this uh, this one's worth 20 bucks if you... If you really just want to jump into it. I loved it. Absolutely great. Um... If you like tower defense, you'll love it. And if you don't, I think you still might love it. But I don't think I've played a tower defense game in a long time. Yeah, that's well, that was my thing. As I used to love them back when they got really popular, but that was like ten years ago. They kind of yep. They kind of stopped making them, and it's not a whole lot anymore. So, really cool game. Uh, yeah, this one's got great graphics. Very three D looking. Well, now I feel bad you didn't see Time Spinner. <laughs> yeah, because i that's the one I was actually going to go look at because uh, I'm very interested in that. I was sitting here playing videos and you guys were just like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we were listening to you talk. Yeah. Let me let me, let me me pull up a little Time Spinner so I can get a few reactions here. Okay. But uh, here we go. We're back to Time, time Spinner here. Um, gameplay. There we go. Here's some gameplay. Yeah, it's a, they're definitely more cartoony than Bloodstained. And you get these little um, little characters that join you and can like help you, just kind of like in Bloodstained. Here's a boss battle. Yeah. 
Oh, no, I love it. And of course, just like Bloodstained, there's all kinds of armor and upgrades, and if you want to micromanage your weaponry and stuff, you can. Anyways, great game. You had me at easier. If it's easier, then I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not three endings, and you just play through it and enjoy it. So Perfect. All right. Boom. Uh, I'll, I'm going to grab this one for sure. Um, speaking of uh, <laughs> doing things on monitors, Tim. <laughs> well, speak, speaking of um, uh, things that we do on our stream, one particular person that I know is Josh at 48K Ram, who, when he's listening to our podcast, is constantly screaming at the radio <laughs> <laughs> because we are doing so many visual things. <laughs> on the podcast that we can't actually see and he's like we just did perfect that was just one prime example of it (laughs) so that was a good (laughs) thank you cody (laughs) yep there you go so yeah um uh josh at 48k ram who's a good friend of the show and also a patreon um is now a twitch streamer has been uh, streaming on twitch for a while um, I recently watched one of his streams uh, where he had the um, opened up his Atari uh, 800XL and fitted in one of the one meg Ultimate SD cards, mm-hmm. um, and that looked really, really good. Um, uh, it's obviously kind of like an alternative, I guess, to the FujiNet, uh, which will give you, you know, loading bits and pieces up, but also expand that RAM out as well. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed his stream. He's got some nice, um, slick graphics going on there and um other bits and pieces i know he, he was uh, a bit self-critical much like myself of the stream but uh, <laughs> i really enjoyed it and he's i think he's doing a really good job um so yeah i would encourage you to go out there and um uh watch some of josh's stuff so you can find him at twitch.tv slash 48k ram nice very cool i i definitely need to do that i mentioned on the show that just in general for me, in this purely opinion, just the streaming format is something that just is, it's not natural for me. It's hard for me. It's not something I gravitate towards. Um, so you're kind of indoctrinating me into the whole streaming format, Tim. Yeah, I think it's, it's something where, um, for me, um, it's more of a more of a place to hang out um, more than actually just sitting there watching the content and all that sort of thing. Certainly Josh's stream, you know, but I couldn't catch it live because he, he streams at, I don't know, I think it's about half past seven Eastern time. So that's obviously a bit too late for me. Um, but I, you know, sometimes when I'm working or something like that, I'll just throw on a stream in the background. Um, so I'll watch the replays. Uh, but things that I watch live, like Amiga Bill and all that sort of thing, he's built up a whole community. So yeah, yeah. often, you know, Josh will be in there. Um, you know, lo- lots of people will be in Amiga Bill stream, and you're just sitting there and you're you're watching the stream, and you're also chatting to everyone. So it's kind of just like a place to just go and hang out and talk talk to people and all that sort of thing. So I think that's one good thing about the streaming side. Uh, you know, sitting there and just inanely watching people games and all that sort of stuff. If you've got no interest in I can completely understand with you there, Cody, you know, it's, it's a pointless endeavor. Um, but, um, you know, if you've got kind of like some investment in it, in that, that sense, I guess, with what we do with, with the podcast, um, and you know, what, what Bill does and all those sort of things. Um, or if someone's actually got some, uh, you know, a subject that they're actually doing something interesting in, you know, like, yeah. like with Josh, you know, literally, 
repairing a bit of hardware or doing yeah, something very cool. rather than just you know sitting there just going through and playing console games and all that sort of stuff not that there's anything wrong with that because obviously that's what we do but um you know just randomly appearing and playing certain console games and all that and certainly the modern stuff obviously just leaves me cold at the moment um <laughs> but yeah so i i can un- understand what you're saying so anyways, I, I need to, to check those out because I'm sure I would enjoy them. I just, um, yeah, especially when it's at a certain time and you have to have to make time for it. Yeah. I have to, yeah. I have to plan. I have to plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some quick pickups from me and I'll be quick about this, but every once in a while I do drop into a GameStop, especially when they have sales because you can take advantage of their sales and they had a deal where the more games you bought used, the higher discount you got. Yeah, and my daughter was in there with with me, and I found three games that I wanted to buy, and she found a bunch of games that were like less than ninety nine cents, which dropped all the other games ten percent each. <laughs> wow! So, long story short, without getting into too much detail, I got the following three games, which I actually care about, for five bucks each, and they're physical. So, I got a nice shmup Savaria Delta on the PlayStation Four. Oh, physical, sweet! Yeah, which is one I've been wanting anyways, and to get it physical, awesome. Um, Eric, I got this one because you said high things about it. I wanted to get it physical, and for five bucks, I got Children of Morta. Yeah, that's a fun game. I, I actually enjoyed my time with it on the Switch, so I bet the PS4 version's great. Yeah, absolutely. And then this one I've been wanting for a while, and I'll say each one of these words separately, so don't take it the wrong way. It is... I finally wanted to... Because I, I heard it's a great game, and I love the show, but South Park, the fractured butt hole. <laughs> but i heard great things about this and i'm really excited about it and uh it got all kinds of awards actually so those three which i have not played yet so i'll be delving into those i'd be interested to see how you get along with children of morta because i did play that one for quite a while yeah yeah i remember yeah speaking of new pickups yeah so hey i went by um legacy toys and games have you been there i have not um, been there since covid so they have they've moved. Oh, you did it's okay. Just across the street, down maybe half a block. So it's not that far down, but it's more in like a standalone house now. Like it's a house, but converted into a commercial. Oh, kind interesting. Of thing. Okay. Um, but it's bigger now though, and it's nicer. So nice. It's, okay. It's a, it's a really cool layout. But I went in there today looking for seventy eight hundred games of all things, and they didn't have any. But. Um, one thing caught my eye and I didn't, I had never seen these back in the day. Um, have you ever seen these? They're the 15th anniversary PS2. Um, they're PS2 controllers. They're huh. like fight controllers. And this one is uh, Akuma from street fighter two, but they have all the different characters. Like they'll have a blue one. That's Chun Li, And they have a red one. That's Ken. And, a, and they have a blue and white one. That is uh, okay. Ryu. I have not seen um, those, no. They're all themed after the actual... Now, these controllers, I mean, it actually is a pretty decent controller, but it has like this little hologram that, you know, those little holograms when you move them up yeah, and down yeah, yeah. to like change the thing. Uh, I don't think it's coming through on the video. No, well, no, but, but yeah. Okay. But listen, the controller is like, it feels kind of like cheapy plastic, but I did play this right because I got this today. Like I went in there today. Okay. Um but I, I I loaded this up on the PlayStation 2 and I played it and it's actually a pretty decent controller. But 
I, I did. Have you guys ever seen these? Because I guess they're kind of collectibles. And, and at Legacy, they have four of these. They have like Chun Li, Ken, Ryu, and this this Akuma one. No, yeah. never but, seen those. Look, look a bit like the Sega six button pads, don't they? Tiny little bit. Yeah, but for they're for the PS one and PS two. But they're the fifteenth anniversary, which aligned with the fifteenth anniversary Street Fighter collection, which came out on PS two back in the day. Um, but he has a ton of these and they were like, I think they were like 24 bucks. So I, I grabbed this one because I love street fighter, obviously, but I, I think these are pretty neat. And, and, you know, I don't like using the PS controller with street fighter because you have to use like the, you know, the bumpers, but this one has six buttons on the face. So that's the other thing. Anyway, the, the button, the button dif- uh, layout is kind of different, isn't it? So you've got like the, the, the four yeah. buttons in, in that, uh, ps style order whereas those are like the buttons are just in the straight uh traditional more like the um yeah yeah like the like the genesis controller and that sort of thing exactly these ones are like l1 and l2 so yeah. like they you know and then there's there is r1 and r like the r2 and l2 on the top but anyway i just picked this up on a whim because i love street fighter so i i plugged this in it works great uh, I don't. I don't think I'm going to try to collect them all, but I did find it funny that at Legacy, like a local Elk Grove shop, they have like four of these collectible. I'm sure somebody had collected them, and they probably just traded them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I'd probably pick I had, up. The, I had never the, seen these before, though, so I thought they were really cool. I'd, anyway, pro- I'd probably pick it. up the Chun Li one because she's the only thing I really like about Street Fighter. <laughs> Not Cammy. Well, yeah, I guess. I've never played really past the uh, original Street Fighter games, like, you know, the Turbo and Championship, so those new characters, I've never really played those games. But I do know who Cammy is. I won't won't explain why. Um, (laughs) Very cool. So I did uh, get around to playing. I was very excited about this game. I'll be quick about it. But um, a new game by, uh, uh, is it Carlton Hadley? Carlton Hadley, yep. Hanley, Hanley, yeah, Carlton Hanley, who did Million Molly, which got all kinds of huge review, rave, rave reviews and stuff, and just not my style of game, but I heard he was coming out with a running gun called Running Gun, uh, <laughs> each spelt with an extra N, which is, I'm sure the, the characters are run and gun, that's kind of a video game trope, which is a good one, I like that. Um, I was super excited about this, and I saw, I was waiting for the release, and he kept kind of teasing it, and then the game came out. Instantly threw down my $3 on itch.io and bought the game, loaded it up, uh, played for about eight minutes, uh, died. But in that eight minutes, I learned kind of what the game was about. I'm like, great. So I loaded it back up, played through that same eight minutes and played a couple more minutes, beat the first boss. And I'm like, oh man, that is that was really fun. That's, that, that was a great level one. Let's see how many more levels there are. And it said, the end, you beat the game. <laughs> I'm like, you're kidding me. Yeah. Like it, I was, I was it, crestfallen. There are missions coming along, so there's, so there's 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 more to the game. Yeah, so I, I don't. I guess I don't know what to say about that other than like I was just starting to figure the game out and get an idea for it. I wanted to love it, but there wasn't enough to make it an opinion on. Uh, it just ended. It was super simple. I mean, it took. I had to play through twice to beat it, but it wasn't difficult. You just kind of had to learn patterns. The boss fight was cool. But I needed four or five more of that of, of what I played to for it to did be you, a game. Did you ramp up the difficulty levels? I, so then I tried to play the next difficulty level, and it was a little harder, but it was the same game. So I don't, I you know, me personally, I don't have an interest in just playing a harder game just to play it. Like it was the same game. Um, 
So, you know, if I could have told myself in hindsight, play a harder one than normal. Um, but anyways, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It was good. I just wanted more of it and um, call me a cheap ass, but paying $3 for 18 minutes of gameplay. Um, can't complain, but I would love to have paid $10 and gotten the full game I was hoping for. You know, kind yeah. of a thing. I, I think Anyways. it's... I think there's 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 definitely more to come from that series. I think, um, yeah. So I, I I don't know exactly the reasoning, um, but you know, for me personally, I f- I found it enough enough of a challenge just as it was. So I guess that just goes goes to show your gaming prowess, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, did you did you finish it? Uh, not no, I have I haven't had a huge amount of time to to go back to it, um, but I kind of got that impression that because I got far into the game within the first couple of goes, that it was probably going to be on the easier side of things. But obviously, there was the 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 different difficulty levels. Um, so normally, a game you you start like you know like you normally say, Cody, you go in on the on the level that the programmer starts you off on, like whether yeah. that's easy or difficult or or normal or whatever you want to play on. Uh, but if you go in on that level, that's where they kind of expect you to get in and get into the game, um, and then you can ramp up the difficulty from there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I know that there's definitely more more stuff coming from that particular franchise. So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, I must admit. Yeah. So I'll just say, like, if you just release another episode that's different but the exact same length for $3, I'm not going to buy it. But if he comes out with, like, a third one that puts all three of those into one game for $10, then that's a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That would be awesome. But it's just it was just, um, you know, there wasn't... A, it was short. But good. I want okay. more. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention is... Um, trying not to buy a whole bunch of new games because I have so many games left to play. So I was really trying to just dig into my PlayStation 4 library. And over the last few months, honestly, my Switch has gotten very little use and I've been playing a ton more PlayStation 4. Um, I just... Uh, I don't know what it is. It just, I love the the controller. is a big one for me. Um, nothing against the Switch again, but uh, I like my Switch for kind of on-the-go or indie games like yeah. the small indie games, but I'm kind of enjoying kind of the inexpensive back catalog the PlayStation 4 has, like the games I just pulled out and showed you. Um, but anyways, I have owned, because I own, you know, I subscribe to PlayStation Network, I've had the remake of Tomb Raider they came out with in 2013. I've had that for a couple of years now. I finally got around to playing it. I heard it's like Uncharted, and I lust probably one of my favorite game series, Uncharted. Uh, so I loaded up Tomb Raider, and my goodness, it's good. It, I, I mean, it's... But it is Tomb Raider copied to the point where it's like laughable how much they copied. I mean, every single single thing that's Uncharted is in this, except it's not humorous like Uncharted. Um, <laughs> but it's just as good. It's just as good, and I was so stoked to find it. And then I also have um, the most recent Tomb Raider free on PlayStation Network, which is called Shadow of the Tomb Raider, so I'll be playing that next because uh, I just finished this one, so... I played this thing again straight through a couple hours every night until I beat it because it was just so so darn good. 
I've I've never really got into the Tomb Raider games. I I got the first one on the PlayStation when it first came out, and I got up to a certain phase where there was like some cogs or something like that, and I was just like, oh no, it's too much puzzle element in this for me. That's <laughs> it. I'm done. <laughs> I never. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge puzzle game. guy either. So, <laughs> well, these are Uncharted games. Original. I, I've never really played the original Tomb Raiders, but these are basically Uncharted games, which are just fun i mean there's light puzzle elements but they're pretty straightforward yeah. I, I loved it i absolutely loved it good funny thing is i think i have a ps4 now i think Thanks. but like so when i when i got my son his xbox series x like he put it on his desk and he was just like he took his ps4 and he's like here <laughs> he just like he, he just like put it in the closet like he doesn't give a crap about it anymore so I'm thinking I can go in there and grab it and like kind of clean it up and like I think I have a PS4 now. Yeah. So I might I might actually start diving into that. There's a I mean it's got great exclusive games. PlayStation yeah. I I do love their exclusives. And I got some physical <laughs> ones you can use if you don't want to pay for them so it's fine with me. That's fair. I I have no I mean I have no argument in the game that the PS4 beat the Xbox 1 in that that generation of video games because I, I I sat there and like was drooling like these great new games were coming out for PS4 left and right and I was like oh man I want to get that I want to get that and like they didn't they weren't available on Xbox One yeah so so yeah I, I'm thinking about trying to see if my son wants to just he already gave it to you <laughs> isn't it funny that I used to kick down stuff to him now he's kicking down stuff to me so kicking it, the way it goes he's I kicking guess. it up to you Eric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a good way to look at it. Well, Tim disappeared off the screen there, so I don't yeah. know if we're supposed to move on or not. But uh, we're we're done with uh, catching up, which means we have one last thing to do for this month, gentlemen. Yeah. And that is check out six good games. Six good games. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We did the song. Yeah. Um, so who chose this one this month? That's Tim. Was that Tim again? No, wasn't me. Not the Coco one. No, no one here. Really? No one here agrees. To, no one's going to admit to it. To pick I don't, this I, one, I don't huh? think I did because I did the previous two, didn't I? On the, on the systems. Well, we're doing six good uh, Coco games, otherwise known as the Color Computer, which was a microcomputer in the uh well really in the early 80s yeah um released by tandy and or radio shack 32 and 64 over here in the uk right and i will tell one little story before we start is that so the first time i ever saw like and got to use computers was in my seventh grade so middle school seventh grade science class i went in there and he said hey we got a bunch of computers and we're going to set up a brand new computer lab and there was literally like an apple II, a trs80 model 3 and a color computer one like the gray one that had the little chiclet yeah keys. yeah the metal looking yeah and uh i he was like hey i need a couple kids to set these up and all the kids were very timid and i was like i want to do it like i want to do this so i got to set up that computer lab and I got to use that color computer one. And that was my first experience. And that would have been in like, what, 85, 84, like 1982. Yeah, that sounds about right. That up. So it was pretty incredible. And, and 
you know, I, I think it's a pretty neat computer. The number one, two, and three. Coco 3 being obviously head and shoulders above the other two, but um, they're all really great systems in their own right. Yeah, I, the whole the whole thing's really interesting, but yeah, it's um, primarily sold, well, exclusively sold in America at Radio Shacks. Correct. Um, which really pushed its popularity, because Radio Shacks were popular at one time. They were everywhere. And then, uh, as Tim just mentioned, it was called the Dragon 32 or Dragon 64 overseas, which was um, technically not, obviously, obviously it wasn't Radio Shack, and I don't think it was even Tandy. I think over there it was just a very, almost identical hardware spec shoved in a different case. Is that not right, Tim? As he pops back. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Dragon 32 um, was a kind of a similar similar color case, but it was um, a kind of much bigger format. Um, but yeah, it's very very similar sort of thing to the to the Coco. Uh, same same processor, same hardware. Um, I believe it will run a, a lot of the similar games. Obviously, the only problem is is it's PAL and NTSC. Yeah, but I mean, they weren't. They were completely different companies distributing them, weren't they? I mean, it wasn't Radio Shack. Yeah, what company no. made company came out with that? Yeah, the TRX Tandy was available over here in the UK through Tandy, which is essentially Radio which is Radio Shack. Shack yeah, and then the Dragon okay. Two was made by Dragon, which was a Welsh company. Interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was amazing when you were doing your stream and playing through some of the games. How many? Uh, I just I even knew that the Dragon Thirty Two was the same thing. But how many mm-hmm. people uh, that were listening that were are you know UK based were were like oh I didn't realize they were the same computer yeah um, yeah yeah but I'm sure the Dragon Thirty Two is by far the weird redheaded stepchild <laughs> oh, <laughs> over yeah. there I mean that's uh, I mean I I haven't really I had a Dragon Thirty Two very very briefly um, and didn't work and I took it over to Rod from Future with Eight Bit and he was going to have a look at it and it's just vanished into. <laughs> <laughs> collection somewhere um so i've ne- never managed to pick that back up again but um yeah it's, it's 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 something that i've been kind of you know especially as you guys have uh, been talking about the coco so much over over the last year or so when i when i've been involved with the podcast so it's something i've wanted to pick up and and try and get a little bit more into and find some of the games um but um yeah i i, I must admit when i first started first started out with it (laughs) what the heck how am i gonna find some games to actually say that i like on this system (laughs) i was gonna say for better or worse we talked it up and you invested some time into it so we'll see how that turned out and uh I, i after after sort of like gutting it out and thinking right okay there's got to be some good games here for this system it's got to be um and then you kind of the more you play the coco the more you kind of get into the vibe that's yeah that's it yeah i i i kind of liken this to you guys getting into the spectrum because the spectrum is a system that if you were to look at it from the outside you know very sync you know monochromatic colors almost you know because you can only have one or two colors on the screen without it clashing and the games are so quintessentially british you know there's a lot of isometric and very very british humor in some of the games and all that sort of thing so from an american perspective i can imagine that you know looking at the spectrum and thinking 
this is just too weird. It's just so far out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I don't know what these games are about. I don't know what they're doing. Why the heck do I even want to bother with this? So I thought, no, no, persevere with it. <laughs> play, play some of the games and see how you get on. And after a while, yes, I kind of like, I, I, there, there was a little bit of love there starting to grow for the system and for the game. <laughs> um, and as you dig into it some more, you kind of like you you feel some of that um you know that that quirkiness about the coco system you kind of fall in love with it uh and uh, some again some of the games are, are, are really bizarre but there's uh, there was one there which was a uh, was it dino crisis um have you played that one with, the, with I, the... I heard i think curtis mentioned that one it's more for kids but he said it's worth playing yeah but i don't know how that can be for kids because it scared the heck out of me <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's two dinosaurs on the screen and then all they seem to do is just go Rah! at each other all the time and i'm like whoa what the heck's going on there <laughs> um and uh yeah the, and then there's some some like uh puzzle games on there as well uh there's a i think there's a version of tetris so so it's it, you know it's it's covered a, a a broad church of games um like, like you would expect uh, there's arcade conversions there's sort of like a galaga version galagon which i think i played played briefly on the stream have you guys played that game galagon i know you probably wouldn't cody because you don't like galaga but we won't go there <laughs> what are you talking about i'm wearing the socks right now how can i not love something but wear it all day long <laughs> um yeah that that one i found really strange to get going on the emulator because um whatever i did i just couldn't emulate the fire button off of the off of the joystick um so i i eventually was playing the game off of the joystick and pressing fire on the keyboard which was one good thing is i could hold <laughs> hold down one of the keys on the keyboard and it would kind of like auto fire for me so i was able to play that briefly um but yeah that that was good so, um, so really quick i want to touch on something you describing how you have to kind of like learn to love this thing mm -hmm. so all of uh when we first started this podcast First of all, Eric told me about the Commodore 64, and I had to learn to love 8-bit microcomputers because I had never used them, and they were so archaic to me. Yeah. Right? And then about three years ago, I, uh, we were just talking about this when we started the show, the podcast, not even three years ago, I started picking up some of these other microcomputers around here, and every single one of them was completely different flavor of weird and old archaic that I had to learn to love. So this yeah. was no yeah. different to me than the Spectrum, the VIC-20, the MSX, the, any of these TI-90, any of these computers up here are all old, archaic, weird stuff that happened before me. I had to kind of get into the vibe, and that's why I enjoyed digging into them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah with the, the color computer is its own brand of weird, and it's it, it really feels like you're playing directly with um, almost analog-like circuitry more than you're playing a piece of software. It's almost like you're playing someone that rigged uh, a game in, in uh, one of those original like MIT computers in the 60s, Right. And, and you're like straight up having chips t like bounce the ball back and forth between each other and somehow it's creating an image on your screen in garish red green and blue colors um so anyways i, I do want to say one last thing uh the the coco yeah it does have a lot of iterations it's kind of like the amiga where you have to figure out what you need for each one. There's 16-bit versions. You can upgrade it to 64K or buy it with 64K. And then there's the 128 Coco 3, which, again, with a lot of help from Curtis Boyle on our Discord, I learned 
does not actually play everything before it. After I sold my Coco 2 because I had a Coco 3, so there's games I can no longer play with real hardware, which frustrates me. Um, so now I'm trying to decide if it's worth going back and buying a Coco 2 again, even though I just sold mine. Um, that's, and that's then, interesting. I, I didn't realize that because there was because I've been using the Coco 3 for emulation, um, there was some games that I was trying to start up on the co obviously, which were just original Cocoa games that just wouldn't start up. And I'm thinking, well, why is that what not working? Their cartridges, you know, should, yep. I thought it was all backwards compatible. So did you, yeah, there you go. Did you just get like a solid green screen. That's it. Yeah. It's either a screen, yep. green screen or a black screen or something like that. It just wouldn't start up. It's like, oh, okay. Move on next. Yep. <laughs> and then the other thing I think, which is a big one, which uh, I think everyone experiences until you learn this as well, which is the Coco came with analog sticks. Mm-hmm. And they, they stick with one button, but it's one of those sticks where if you left it in a position, it would just stay there. They don't return to center. And some of the games, and actually some of the best games, were built around the fact that you had an analog stick. Um, yeah, I'm covering one of those. One of the games I picked, it, like if you don't have an analog stick, because I tried to play it with the digital and I was like, what is going on? I can't do anything. I can't do anything correctly. So, yeah, it'll be interesting because we're going to talk about that. And so as I'm playing with real hardware, I have the adapter to use a new stick, but yep. I also have the analog stick. So not only am I trying to make sure I have left port or right port, I'm also trying to figure out if I want my digital like micro switch controller or if it works better with the analog controller. And going back and forth, a lot of different configurations. So uh, a lot of effort to play some very archaic games. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig in. Let's do uh, Eric, Tim, Cody. Let's just go in that order. How? Why not? Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So the first game I picked was when I got my Coco 3, I was like, well, what is one of the best games to play on the Coco 3? And I did some research and came up with Xenix by GoSub Software. And it basically is a, it's just a shoot 'em up kind of like a Galaga. Um, but it. I was very, very impressed with the graphic fidelity on this game. It looks like it is a game that is hitting above its pay grade here. The graphics are really great. Um, The enemies look to me a little bit like frogs. I don't know if you guys had played this game. Oh, I played it, yeah. Um, They look a little bit like frogs, but... When you hit them, you know, you it's basically just to shoot them up where you're shooting upwards. So it's like, I guess, called a vertical one. Um, it's like a, a single screen Galaga style. Single screen Galaga style game. But the graphics on this are way better than I thought a color computer, TRS-80 color computer could do. I mean, they are amazing. My only gripe about this game is that when you fire on the enemies and they drop bonuses, they look exactly like the enemies themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're when you're in a, like a frantic like um, you know shootout with these enemies, and all of a sudden you hit one and then it starts to drop towards you in a different color. In my mind, like in the confusion, I think it's like an enemy just dropping down, and so. I, I don't like that. I wish that the bonuses that dropped down looked a little different, but otherwise it is an incredible shoot 'em up. It's very smooth, very colorful. The graphics are fantastic. The sound is really good. This is one of the top notch games on the Coco um, that I've played. Do you know what? I think this looks like Gala Force on the BBC Micro. Yeah. And that's going to be one of my, uh, 
that that was one of my games that I picked. Remember what your quick question was, what games have you found that you really liked? Um, in the last episode, yeah. Tim, I picked, I picked, um, Starship Command and, and Galaforce. Yeah. Yeah. This, this looks really nice. Yep. And it looks exactly, I mean, it looks very similar to Galaforce, which is, I, I think this game is a blast. And I, I think I've reached like, um, level, I think there's 32 levels if I remember right. And I think I've reached level 20 on this game. Nice. So yeah, that, it's it, it is very challenging. Is this a Coco Three native game? Is it or is it Coco Two or just a this? This Coco? is a Coco Three game. It is. Yeah, yeah. this is a Coco Three game. So now, yep. what's funny about this is, like you said, the gra- I mean, the graphic. You say they're very good. The graphics are okay, but the particle effects that are thrown in are what make this mm-hmm. look amazing. These explosions and like particles flying everywhere. But it's all relative because for a Coco game, for a Coco game, yes. But this is a Coco 3 game, which is a 16-bit computer. Compare this to any other 16-bit computer. And you're like, okay, no. (laughs) But what I love about the Coco games is they are made for, like, really quick fixes. Yeah. And as long as you're in that mindset, this is a crazy, fast, fun, quick arcade game. And, I mean, the enemies are flying all over the place. It's rock hard. Um, Yeah. I mean it's just unique it's it's very i guess very coco i don't know yeah i would agree with that but i mean i look at this i don't think 16-bit i don't think atari st nonetheless amiga nonetheless super nintendo definitely not i mean it's it's very (laughs) looking but it's very good for you know for an 8-bit game especially like you say with those particle effects so i can see where kind of like the coco 3 tech is coming in there um but it's a very 8-bit look isn't it but as a game, yeah, which, solid. Which we have to say, I mean, that's kind of a lot of the games are like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, in a lot of games, um, uh, and I'm sorry, not a lot of games, the, the other game that this same guy made, uh, it was called, what, Crystal City? Crystal, cr- yes, Crystal City. And I did try that game, and it is a pretty decent game as well. And it's a nice side-scrolling shooter with these kind of same crazy uh, particle effects. So another good yep. one, but... Isn't that one almost <clears throat> almost kind of like a scramble style game? Yeah, it's kind of like scr- yeah, exactly. Scramble with crazy particle effects. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Tim. Cool. So no, nope, it's Cody next, right? <clears throat> Are we just following the the notes? We can do either way. Okay. You, you <clears throat> we can do Tim. I'm happy to go to you are. Yeah, that's Go fine. for it, Tim. Okay. Go ahead, Tim. So, first game and I covered this one on my Coco stream. Um, and it is a conversion. Um, I know Cody doesn't necessarily go along with the whole conversion thing. But, uh, <laughs> I'm just I, a, a beacon of hatred on the show, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I think for, for me, I was kind of like uh, with the Coco grasping for, for, for the familiar um yeah <laughs> to to get that you know to get that uh kind of build that interest up in the system and one of my games that i really loved on the spectrum was a game called 3d death chase by mervyn escort um it is a uh it's not oh. 3d type of game on the spectrum uh, where you are on a motorbike, you are chasing uh, two motorbike driving protagonists through a forest, uh, essentially, and you have to steer your motorbike through the forest and get the two other motorbike drivers in range and shoot them up. 
and uh, each level is consisting of uh, basically killing those those two other guys on the motorbikes and then you move on to the next level um, there are helicopters and planes also that sort of like come down and land which you can shoot in the distance um, but yeah this is this is a, a straight up conversion uh, funnily enough it's not converted from the spectrum version but it was actually converted from the amstrad cpc version um, they took the code from that and then ported that across onto the coco um, and yeah it, it plays all right i mean it's again it's it, it's quite uh, quirky in its looks because of the cocoa because of the nature of the graphics and the limitations um but it's a really playable game um if you've not seen 3d death chase before um you've you're basically you see sort of like your um motorbike in front of you so you see handlebars you're turning the handlebars as you're as you're moving um you have uh, your score you have your lives you have a little range indicator um so as you're um accelerating forward you're um uh, riding through the through the forest you're avoiding the trees so it's a bit like um the return of the jedi sort of like the uh speed, bikes, uh, speed bikes yeah that's it yeah. um it's a bit bit like that so you've got to avoid the trees as you're going through as you progress through the levels uh the density of forest gets more so obviously you've got more trees to avoid um you go through different levels so you go through the forest level or through the arctic level and basically the only difference with the arctic is that it changes the colors um uh, as you uh, speed towards the other guys they come into range you can then blow them up um, and then you progress on to the next level uh, it's a very simplistic style game um, but it's one that i you know like i say i really liked on the spectrum i got into it and it was a done only in 16k on the spectrum which was a a good feat in itself for that type of game um, but yeah this this kind of gave me that warm and fuzzy feeling and and gave me that sort of like buy-in that i needed really to get into the into the coco style because it was uh, it was something familiar to me back on the spectrum and i was just relating to it in terms of the port across uh did you guys um have a what did you say i guess you only did you only see this one on the stream that i did or did you actually pick it up and play it yourselves eric yeah i i so i played the zx spectrum version of this quite a bit i actually really like it on the zx spectrum um but i have to admit i haven't played the coco version at all i didn't even know there was a version out there um, but it looks really good on the Coco. I mean, this looks very smooth. I mean, at least comparable, if not even a little bit smoother than the one on ZX Spectrum. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a good, good, solid conversion. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed it. And the, the other thing is you've got like the controls on there. You can either do keyboard or joystick. Um, it plays nice with, uh, because obviously it's a conversion from the spectrum. So you don't have that analog joystick element of it. So it played nicely with my, um, that's true. Yeah. On, uh, on the mess emulator, uh, with my monster joystick, uh, USB to nine pin converter. So I was actually playing with a nice, decent joystick as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, I, I, I enjoy playing that one. It looks like a, a solid port, but this is a game that I tried on the Spectrum, and I just can't... It, the, this perspective is so weird, I could not figure out when to turn and when to dodge and what to avoid. I think you have to kind of get used to it, Yeah. Um, which you kind of grew up with. It. I was watching you play it on the stream, and I was blown away by how you were actually able to shoot those things and not hit trees. Let, 
I mean, the trees look like they're going to miss you, and all of a sudden they're right in front of you, and I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's, it's a, per, a weird perspective you kind of have to get used to. It's almost like tunnel tunnel vision. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you kind of, you kind of, you're not actually looking at the bike or anything like that. You're just looking at the trees and what's what's ahead of you in the distance. So you're kind mm-hmm. of predicting the pattern. Um, as the first couple of levels are relatively easy, but then once you go through sort of like three or four stages, it kind of the, the trees get a lot more dense and, uh, yeah, you kind of, uh, See, to, to me, visually, the, the, to me, it's super dense from the beginning. It looks like it. And the fact that you're able to navigate that blew my mind. But yeah, when, when you finally died, I can't imagine how you were even uh, avoiding those trees to begin with. Yeah, I was really conscious on the stream that I was just kind of taking too long into this game. I could I could have quite happily sat there and played that for ages. <laughs> oh, there you go. I do I do love the quote unquote Arctic level. I I, I heard from uh, on the Discord or on the chat actually in your stream that that Arctic level is not part of the original game, but I think it was just so easy to do a invert colors. Yeah, that's it on the yeah. cocoa. That and I love it. It looks super. It looks. You know, I feel like you're in this like padded, muffled, snow-covered world all of a sudden. Um, and I think a lot of Coco games do the Arctic levels where there's snow, and just, I think it looks great. I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it was a it was a nice surprise to see it because I was, basically what I was doing is I was looking for the through the list of Dragon Thirty Two games um, and thinking like I could probably maybe bring in some of the Cuthbert games and all that sort of stuff. But you know, they 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 they're okay. They're not they're not great. Um, but then when I saw that one, I thought, yep, yeah, that's, that's the one. Let's, let's have a look at that. Love it. So Katie, what's your first choice? So my first, uh, choice is a, is a game I am trying to pull up right now. Um, let me see if I can get the video going here, I'm trying to pull up some videos so we can talk about it. Um, but the game is called Robotech. Uh, you guys heard this one at all? No, I haven't. Okay, no. I really want to pull up a video so you can see it. I mean, I can explain it just fine, but um, it, it's weird. There's not a whole lot of color computer footage on <laughs> on YouTube. No, there's not a, hu- a whole bunch of huge fan. Let me try Coco 2 Robotech. Anybody? Anybody? All right, I'm just going to have to move on. I can't find it. No. Um, but Robotech is basically... Uh, so it also goes... Uh, it's important to note that probably 80% of the games on the Coco are rip-offs of various quality clones, but I'm going to call them straight rip-offs of popular arcade games. There's very few um, licensed arcade ports on the system. And it was mostly a bunch of uh, dudes in bedrooms copying the games and putting their own clever names on it. Um, so Robotech... So Cody, the, the, the Robotech is spelled with a C in there. And I think you'll be able to find... I found oh, a couple of videos. Like that? Yeah. Per, correct. Alright, alright. So... Look down there. You should be put. Yeah, just put Coco and Robotech, and I think you'll find a couple videos. Well, I found apparently some sort of surgery. That was gross. <laughs> there, um, we go. <laughs> there we so go. The first one right there. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Oh, we got a full yeah. full fifteen. Se- oh, it's an ad. That's why. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Nonetheless, this game is a, a rip off of um, uh, like Robotron. Robotron twenty yeah eighty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But what I love about it, and it's really simple, big chunky graphics, and there's people you got to save, and big chunky robots, and it's a twin stick shooter, and a lot of like even Smash TV and some of the other popular twin stick shooters that were on home consoles were hard to control because you only had one D pad. Um, yeah. 
So the NES did something clever with the Smash TV twin stick, and they said if you held two controllers and held them uh, vertically, you can use both the D-pads. And that's more or less what they did here, is if you have two analog controllers, and I think it would work best with analog, um, which I did, and plug them into each control port, you have one controller that controls your movement on the screen, the other one controls the direction you shoot. And this was just a solid, fun twin stick shooter. Uh, again, speed. Um, I think everything on the Coco is about speed. It's just really fast-paced action for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is no no different. You're blowing through these levels quick, and you know you could you can beat a level in five to ten seconds each level. Um, getting you know obviously if you take the time to shoot the right things and save as many people as possible. Um, and avoid the, uh, I want to say it's the blue robots, that once you shoot all those, you go to the next level. If you try to shoot everything else first, you can maximize your points that way. Um, but it was just a fun, fast, uh, you know, a, as good as it's going to look, Coco game. Um, I don't know what else there, else there is to say about it. You know, hard, dark background, uh, chunky characters. I don't know, what else do you say? It, it almost looks like an Apple II game to me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's you know it's a quintessentially it's a it's a Coco style game, isn't it? It's you know it's got that that look and that feel about it, uh, the way the graphics are, the the, the chunkiness of them. Um, but yeah, it look, looks pretty solid. I haven't played that one, so I think I'm going to have to give that one a try. It looks really good. But the key, I think I played this one a long time ago I, when I first got my Coco and my Coco Two actually and. I, I loved it. I thought it was was, was a blast. So you don't have to play with two analog sticks, right? You can play with one. No, I mean because one's going to shoot. I mean, if you want to stand in the middle the whole time and shoot around you, you can play with one. <laughs> or if you want to run around and not shoot, you can play with one. I thought I played with just one stick where you could just fire in the direction you're walking. I don't believe so, but oh, okay. But Maybe I'm wrong. Keep in mind if you do do this without the analog sticks. Um, yeah. Like let's say you plugged in two competition pros. It'd be really hard to keep those things solid on the desk without holding them with the other hand. That's true. So you kind of have to have the right setup to do this. Analog sticks work well because you can hold them with your hands and just put your thumbs on top of the stick and wiggle them around because they have no resistance at all. That's true. So it worked really well. And um, yeah, solid little game. Yeah. We're halfway done, Eric. Go ahead and uh, what, what's your second game? Your final game? My final game, since we're only doing two each is Double Back. Um, Double Back is a game where it's it's kind of like one of those snake games where you control a little... You're a pixel on the screen. There's one little pixel. But every time you move in a direction, um, you create a tail behind you. And when I first started this game, Cody, I was using the adapter you got me, so I was using a digital joystick. Yeah, yeah. And... Every time I moved, it just made the longest tail possible. But the problem is, is that when you're moving really fast, it's harder to actually, you know, have fine-tuned controls. So I went online, I found the manual, I found out that you really need to play this game with an analog joystick. Because when you go in a direction just a little bit, it creates a short tail And when you go fast, it creates a long tail, but it's harder to control. And what you're trying to do is there's these objects in the game that you're just trying to put a circle around. And that sounds pretty easy, but if you run into the object with the pixel head, with the head of the snake, that that life is over. You're, You're done. So in this 
there are multiple objects and there are things like roller skates that move around. There are magnets that move towards you. And then there are just things like skulls and stuff like that, that just clutter up the screen. But the more objects you can wrap around, um, it increases your point value exponentially. So this is basically a really good high score game because the better you get at this game, the more you want to try to like, surround your tail around two objects at one time or three objects. Um, it is, it, it sounds like it might be a boring game, but when you play this game and you're trying to get the largest score, it is a blast and it is a very difficult game. Actually, the longer you wait on the screen, the more objects start to appear. Um, so you can just sit around, you can just drive your little guy around until there's five or six things on the screen, but it just gets very harder to encapsulate them around in a, like a lasso. Um, so anyway, this game, very challenging. I heard about this game a long time ago on the Amigos, um, when they were doing their Coco show, they, they did this and they, they thought it was a lot of fun. So, um, I decided to give it a try and I played it for a long time. I, I really like this game. It is funny because it su- it does look like such a boring game. I did I did play this, mm-hmm. and it is fun. It's absolutely fun. It's the video we're watching right now. You can tell he's using a modern joystick. He's not Correct. using an analog stick, so he's not playing it very well because you know he's got hard diagonals and hard straights, but he's not able to control his speed or kind of the minute directional changes that you should be able to. Exactly. He's probably using an emulator, frankly. And yeah, so probably he's not yeah. using an actual joystick and. And uh, you can't get the nuance of this game without that. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good one, but it it, it is it is funny because it looks so, um, very basic, so yeah. basic, and yeah, like who would enjoy this? But it is fun. <laughs> it's a fun game. I, I actually had a lot of fun playing this one. This this is a good one, and um, I I haven't played this one myself, but I don't know if you guys have played. Um, I think it's. Uh, Gamola Speed on the PC yeah. Engine. Have you played that? Was one of yeah. my, that was one of my my six good games when we covered PC Engine games. Yeah, so this is yeah. kind of similar to that, isn't it? In the, in the way that you got to kind of like uh, wrap your wrap yourself around the objects in in the game as well. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that's it. So, Tim, what's your next one? Okay. Uh, my one, um, very much inspired by um, uh, Amigo Aaron and the Brent. <laughs> um, yeah. They have very fond memories of this game, and this game is called Megabug. Um, it's a kind of like a, a I, I guess it is a Pac-Man kind of clone. Um, okay. But this one has got um, a, a bit of a strange history to it (laughs) um (laughs) the game originally uh correct me if i'm wrong um was based on a game i think it was called um uh dung beetle or something like that (laughs) Uh, sounds awesome yeah Uh, essentially you are um a bug you are going around a maze um collecting dots as you collect those dots you kind of like leave a dot behind you, <laughs> a trail behind you. A blue dot. Yeah. That's where you've been. Yeah. Yeah. And the, that's what the other bugs that are trying to chase, track you down, home in on that and follow you, follow your path around. Um, so you are, um, 
you basically you've got to clear the whole level of uh, by eating up all the all the dots um the difference between this one and sort of like a general pac-man game is the maze is much much bigger um and the uniqueness about this game is that the area that you're in sort of like about i don't know was it uh, about five or six blocks wide as a square um it's magnified um so you get to see uh the the sort of like the area that you're playing sort of like well blown up because otherwise if you actually look at it on the map it's it's all actually really tiny so it would be really difficult to control it so they've got this um really cool magnifying effect um which uh, it blows up the character so you can actually see the bug chomping away on the screen and control it nicely um, again this is because of the nature of the game it's not really dependent on any of the analog control so it's ideal for me when i was emulating because yeah. um, it's difficult uh, you can do it with the mouse but um it's not quite the same without having an analog stick i don't think it's actually uh, much harder with the analog stick <laughs> yeah that's it exactly um so yeah so this this is a great game um one of the little things is is that when when you do actually get eaten by one of the bugs um the uh there's two sort of like mega bug characters on either side of the screen and there's some digitized speech in this and they say i gotcha um <laughs> yeah. dance and then it, it it plays um what's the what's the tune that it plays in the in this game i can't remember what it's uh, i can't reta- recall right now yeah um but yeah, I, I, this is a great little game, um, and it's for, for again for the Coco. It's quite a nice uh, technical game as well because having that magnifying effect, I think, was was quite a hard one to achieve on the Coco. Um, so yeah, that's that's a, a really good one. I'd I'd really thoroughly recommend playing Mega Bug, um, and that that was from 1982 as well. That game, so you know, it's quite early on in the in the game uh, in the in the Coco system as well. Um, what was it? Is, is what year did the Coco get released? Was it was around that time? Was it eighty one, eighty two? Yeah, I think this this is one of the first releases for the Coco. Yeah, right up there. Yeah, um, and it came came on cartridge. I think it came on tape as well. I think I think there was a cassette version of it. Um, but um, yeah, I have seen it so there on cartridge. But yeah, I, I know that um, uh, the Brent and Aaron they used to have this one on their on their Coco originally, and they used to play this one as as uh, when they were when they were siblings uh, battling against each other on this game. So yeah, I, I can remember them mentioning this one on the stream. So it's one that I wanted to uh, to pick up and play. This is definitely a quintessential Coco game. I know, like, everyone talks about this, and there's no game like it on any other system. Like, this is how you play it. Um, some things I really enjoy about it, so when you lay down your blue dots behind you after you eat yellow dots, um, obviously you get points for You get 10 points for eating each yellow dot, but the bugs that come behind you get uh, take away a point. You get negative points for every blue dot they eat. So not only are you trying to eat the yellow dots as quick as possible, you're trying to find ways to avoid the bugs eating your blue dots because that lowers your score. So it's this constant battle. I like that. I just, I can't handle this game because the magnifying glass does a good job of letting you see what's immediately around you, but I can't like plan because you can't see what's outside of that immediate area, except for what's way outside of that immediate area. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And there's dead ends all over in here and you can't see where they are until it's too late. And then you're already being chased in by another bug. So I, I have, I, this game is more frustrating to me than, than enjoyable, but I could see how, um, 
you know it's it's a it's a must play it's quintessential and it's um it's, it's you know it's just unique a coco game isn't it yep 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 is this one you play eric i'm sorry is this one you've played or that you uh the mega Bug? yeah definitely i've played this many times yeah I, I like this one quite a bit all right cool so i guess i'm on the last one here and you'll, you'll notice i have two games on here right so yeah. as i was playing through these games like tim even though i have some experience with the coco I was trying to find some new games. I, I've always loved the game called Ricochet, but I've already talked about that on the show. Really simple arcade-style game that is unique to the system. Um, it's another one where you have to have the analog stick, because if you have a regular stick, you can't control which direction you're trying to stay at. It, you always revert back to right. Anyways, um, I found a game called Desert Racer, which is a fun little like race car game. But ultimately, I was playing so many games that were just kind of lackluster and just irking me the wrong way. So I said, screw it. I don't care if it's too easy. I'm going for a port of one of my favorite games, which the original game is called Contra on the, well, I guess it's an arcade game, but the NES game is the, is the real Contra I've always played. And so this is a Coco three game. Totally fully takes advantage of the color computer three. In fact, right here. And in typical Coco fashion, Instead of trying to come up with a creative uh, name to rip off, they just call it The Contras. <laughs> <laughs> they just add a the and an S. Yep. And um, it's a pretty darn solid... Now, what I like about it is it's not exactly like the NES game, so it is a different game. So yeah. I do... I, I, played, I played through, I think, four levels of it, and it is solid. Now, this game actually... Tell me... If, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but look at this. I mean, this is impressive, even for a 16-bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, the intro Sun, is what we just saw. Sundog Systems? Yeah, Sundog Systems yep. produces 1993. So, this actually had to load from three separate files. So, it's a three multi-load, I don't know if you'd call it disc or cassette or what. Um, yeah. so, so, using my Coco SD thing, I had to actually set it up for multi-load and let it load three times. But once it's running, you get... Hold on. Oh, here we go. Yeah, back yep. to this question, though. Yeah. What type of monitor are you using? R for RGB or C <laughs> for composite? So I had to hit C for composite. Yep. And then Sundog Systems presents. And of course comes... The, I mean, it even looks... Um, here it is. The Contras. It even looks identical to the NES intro. Like, they Definitely. ripped off everything. Yep. Um, and it actually plays... You'll watch the game here in a second... It actually plays this smooth with two players as well. Um, but here you go. This is a Coco game. So that that is that it's impressive for a Coco game, isn't it? <laughs> it's really nice. That's proper proper colors, proper sprites. Um, that's that's got everything going on this one, hasn't it? Contras, yeah. So I actually did plug in a Genesis pad for this because it's two button support. Yeah, you had jump and shoot. Yeah. So all the. Uh, you know, nine pin stuff I was plugging in with only one button would only allow you to jump. So I had to get a, a second controller or another controller that had two buttons. Now, one of the funny things is um, this game took so long to put together that by the time they decided to finally release it, um, a lot of these power ups, for example, spread and flamethrower. Um, I don't know how much Contra you've played, but the power ups, you can shoot them and the power ups will fall down. You can collect them. 
but they don't do anything because they were never able to take the time to implement those weapons. <laughs> Get the weapons in, right, yeah. <laughs> so machine gun and rapid fire work, all the other weapons like that, flamethrower, nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> is there any music in the background on this one? Yeah. There is. All oh, right. Oh, and it's amazing. So, again, they apparently ripped the sound files straight out of the NES version because they sound identical. <laughs> I mean, I was listening to it. I'm like, how did they do this? And I think they're just a straight... I don't know, a sound file rip because they're, they're identical. Um, and what I love about copies of games like this, especially, you know, it's not the original Konami, it's somebody who, who tried to implement that, is everything is not, you know, pixel perfect. So unlike the masterfully done original game where you kind of have to keep moving and there's no safe places to be, in this game, for some of the bosses, if you find the right spot, you can just sit there and shoot them constantly and there's no way they can hit you. And there's kind of these fun little things you find out as you're playing. Um, but no, this was, this was absolutely great. Unlike the uh, NES version, you know, every other level on the NES, uh, is a kind of a first person going down a corridor type of game. Those levels are not in here. Yeah. Um, here's like the boss, he's shooting this thing and he's at a spot right now where they just can't hit him. (laughs) It's just, just literally just la 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 la. Just unloading (laughs) on it. Yep. Um, and here's like the next level here, which is again, it's kind of three levels ahead in the NES game, but uh, it's, it was it was really good. It's one of the most graphically impressive games I've seen on the on the on any color computer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it has to be it one look, of the top. Looks really good, <clears throat> and it plays well. It's a little slower, a little chunkier than the NES, but um, I mean, the right. NES is definitely a better game. It's it's the original. It's masterfully done, but this one is not. Um, unenjoyable by any means i would i i'm gonna probably play it again and try to see if i can get all the way through it yeah i mean the coke was not built to play that type of game was it (laughs) It a really good job with that yep and that's six good games excellent nice excellent and it's an episode of pixel gate in and a month yeah what a a great episode i enjoyed that well done guys good stuff (laughs) good stuff (laughs) So there we go, guys. Coming up next month, any, anything? What are we going to do next month, anything? I don't think we've decided on anything. I'm no. going to watch some Tim streams. <laughs> yeah, I need to do that. I'm going to watch an Eric video. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to see if I can't start getting some video game together here, because you guys are making me look bad. Um, well, you, you do an awful lot with the podcast, Cody, so. <laughs> I li- I'm an audio guy, all right? I'm kind of an audio guy. No, I... This is uh, way looking forward, but I'm still ex- very excited about... Um, we're actually not too far away, Eric, from uh, 4321, if that means anything to you. Do you remember that? 4321. No, what does that mean? 4321 launch in Television Amico. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hope so. Like I said, <laughs> I'm, I'm not holding my breath. Nope. We'll see. I'm very excited about time. that. So, in theory, that should be... Was that April 3rd, 21? Mm. april 3rd yeah so that's uh yeah not even two it's months away up, it's, it's coming up very quick so we'll see we'll see if they can deliver we'll see we'll see i'm excited about that but um yeah let's we'll pick another do you want tim do you want to do another battle or do you want to do six good games again what are you feeling i think i'll go with uh let's let's go with six good games again all right all right yeah, i think let's, okay. we'll talk off air but i think we should pick some really just random off the wall topics so we can all go nuts absolutely okay sounds good to me like uh, six right. good games with um, manga girls who wear bunny ears. There's a lot. 
you know, just some, something really, <laughs> something really off the wall. You know, we can we can figure something out, but yeah. cool. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I guess we'll end the show like we usually do. And uh, I always have to edit this in post because we're never on. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fantastic. But until next month, remember, it's It's dangerous dangerous to go go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>